We welcome you to another live edition of the Sports Box, brought to you by our sponsor, Showcase Sports in Hamilton. Showcase Sports for the elite athlete. And by our friends over at Crowdplay. Download the free Crowdplay app today and check them out at www.crowdplayapp.com for details. Ladies and gentlemen, it's showtime. Hey everybody, welcome to Cage My IQ. As always, I'm your host, D-Baked. Dream with me, as always, is my co-host, Miles Long. Yo. And then guest hosting with us today is the man they call Dave from the Working Fans Podcast. How's it going, Dave? Good, man. Good to be back on. Nice to see you guys. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't know him already, as, as I said, he's on the Working Fans Podcast. It's a podcast that they do. They talk about all everything, basically wrestling. He yeah. just started a side uh, podcast on there for uh, MMA. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Also, um, a little comedy too. But uh, MMA, uh, we just started. Uh, right now, it's me uh, and two other guys. Uh, <laughs> funny story about that. One of the guys has a government job, so he actually doesn't like his name out there. So yeah. he wears a mask. And his gimmick name is Carney Usada. So we just go with that for now. But uh, um, so, and we just talk about different things that are going on in May. And we're going to be doing kind of a similar thing with the wrestling. We'll have like top five list. So, you know, we'll go like top five heavyweights of all time. And that stuff we'll be doing. And we'll be doing kind of like you do with the review, but only pay per views. Yeah. Um, and that's about it for the MMA podcast right now. Uh, the comedy podcast, similar thing again. We're doing top five list, and also we'll get interviews on there, just like with the pro wrestling interviews and top five list. We like to go nostalgia. So. Nice, nice. But you can check that all out on the the Working Fans podcast. You can find them on uh, YouTube. So uh, just search Working Fans podcast on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, subscribe to the page and then check them out. Uh, when do you guys release all of your videos? Or will yes. Be? Uh, so uh, to the um, the audio versions, uh, wrestling comes out on Thursday. Comedy actually comes out on Tuesday now. So comedy Tuesday, wrestling Thursday, uh, combat sports is Saturday, and then the YouTube when Joe damn well feels like it, <laughs> <laughs> which lately has been the same time as the audio. So Joe's been on top of it, and uh, yeah, we're on uh, Instagram to uh, working fans. Uh, underscore wrestling pod Twitter. We're at fans working and we got a Facebook page, like you said too. And uh, yeah, man, we're on everything. I think iTunes, Spotify, I think whatever Amazon's using, we're on that now too. So just check us out. Definitely. I'm going to go through a couple of comments before we uh, give our first reaction of the, of the pay-per-view that just happened. Uh, Miles is having a little bit of difficulty, so he should be back on in a second, but we got Anon coming in. Hype. We got Nick Alexander, my buddy of mine, Little double champ. champ. Uh, like he's in my MMA uh, topology group. Uh, I did really good last month. I didn't do as well uh, Saturday. I went six and six. So we, what we do is we mm-hmm. preview the whole card and then we get it running. Uh, and you get certain points for picking the, the, the winner. And by how, how by the finish too, like whether it's decision submission mm. or 
uh, knockout. So I went six and six with that one. So I started out bad with the prelims, and then I was four and one. So I had a nice finish with the the main card. So, but it was definitely a rough uh, one for me in in all. But I'm definitely confident about this upcoming week. But then we got your buddy Randy to chime in, working fans podcast, hey. incredible. So you got your regular Joe right there. Damn I can right. always count on him to, <laughs> to tune in with one of you guys on. So that's good. But uh, basically, uh, what was your guys' first impression of 264 once it was done? I'll start with you, Dave. Oh, wild. Uh, it was a wild night. It, uh, you know, I like a good fast-paced card. I'm getting old. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. when, they're, when they're filing through, I have no problem with that. I think this card ended around. 1230, I think, something like that, which is not bad for a UFC card. No. Um, we can't be spoiled like the West Coast. But, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, nah, it was uh, it was a good, fun show, though. Definitely eventful, a lot to talk about. Um, I would say even the two fights that went to decision, I know we'll talk about it later, but the crowd booing uh, during the Wonder Boy stuff. But I, I, didn't, I, I enjoyed that fight as well. I thought everything <laughs> really clicked well. I enjoyed the show, so good show. I think with that one, the fans were just being spoiled with the, yeah. all the all the action, and yeah. then you got to really look at like I'll get into that one when we talk about it. But there's right. so so much te- technique and technicalness to the to that fight that went into it, and the fans didn't really realize that. Yeah, they yeah. there and wanted to mm-hmm. see a knockout. So yeah. and, and to throw out real quick, uh, would you have a fight card like with McGregor on it too? you're probably going to get a certain amount of fans, extra fans that are not, you know, familiar. They're casual. They're more casual sure. too. Yeah. So I'm sure that plays a part too. Yeah, what it's funny actually. Um, it's funny you mentioned that specifically, Dave, because my mom was talking, like I, I took her to Wolfie's and we watch all the fights together ever since mm-hmm. like December. And I started doing this. We started watching all the fights. So like every time I'm like, I like call her up and she's like, okay, is it a fight night? We're at home or are we going to be going to Wolfie's today? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a weekend thing. <laughs> And after the McGregor fight, she went and she hung out with some of her friends and, you know, probably shouldn't say this live, but she's like in her fifties. And so she's got like older friends and she was telling me her friends knew like MMA Mm -hmm. stuff, not a lot, but a little, like her friends would be like, Oh, GSP's my guy. Oh, I really liked McGregor. It's like, I was like, okay, that makes sense. But yeah, I think you're right. Because even those people saw the McGregor fight, whenever Mm -hmm. there's a big name like that, you get a lot of people who really don't know what they're looking at. Don't really know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Definitely don't know how the league has evolved since the days of GSP and stuff like that. But they do come for the big, the big crowd draw for McGregor. So yeah, I think yeah. that probably had a <laughs> some effect on you know the way people received certain fights. Where it was like, if you if you know what you're looking at, you're like, this is fine. There's nothing wrong here. But yeah. like, as if you're more of the uh, uninitiated, you're like, fuck this. This is boring. You know. <laughs> Right. You have no oh, idea, no. right? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it was a pretty fun fight though. Like even yeah. if this is your first fight card ever, yeah. there was only like a couple of things I would have like changed. Like the the O'Malley last minute change up was kind of shitty, mm-hmm. but like everything else was was pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have much to complain about. There's a couple of was... fights in the prelims that I was like, eh. but even those like the yeah. the Condon and Griffin fight was really good. Like I don't know, man. 
This this prelim definitely missed that Sean Brady Kevin Lee fight, which is going to be on yeah. the end of August. That that would have made this so much better having that on the, the as the main fight on the prelim, and then you would have slotted Griffin and Condit right under that. That would have been oh, perfect be yeah. for the last two fights of the prelim. But like, of course, we get spoiled, and then we <laughs> have all these injuries that happen now. So it sucks for that, but at least. The fight's still going to happen next month, so yeah. and I believe it's on the August twenty fourth card. So uh, definitely keep a lookout for that because that card is going to be very underrated as a ESPN uh, Plus uh, fight card. And, and I'm definitely looking for that. And then be a good one. Uh, they just added uh, more fights. Uh, they finally got a date for Peter Yan and Al Hamein Sterling. When's the rematch? It's going to be October twenty fourth. It's going to be the co main really? event. It's going to be the co main event mm. to. Uh, Yehovich Teixeira. Really? And then they're mm. going to have Rebus Janitoba on that. And then Shamayev is making his return against Lee Jiling. So hmm. I guess that makes Aljamain Sterling a fucking liar then because he said he wouldn't be cleared by the doctor till November to like do serious yeah. training in the gym. Yep. He's like, no, I'm going to go do like a major UFC fight. <laughs> like a week <laughs> before that. Yeah. A month before apparently his doctor would clear him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that, that, just that, got, that just got announced two days ago. I think it got announced. Uh, no, okay. actually, no, it got announced yesterday. So I looked at him like, Okay, that's sooner than we expected. I was but... saying, like, if that was a real diagnosis day from a doctor, that means he wouldn't even be like doing some hard sparring or good wrestling right. in the gym until November. Give him yeah. a few months after that. We're looking at like next year, maybe like March or something like that. But no, he's like, October's fine. I could do that. Yeah, but before <laughs> I we, uh... I wonder <laughs> if they put any pressure on him to fight, though. I'm sure they probably the way, did. Yeah, right? the way, the way he did won they the fight, title it too. was April or May. Uh, it was. It before we had fans back, right? Yeah, because yeah, it was still a, a quarantine card, so they were yeah. still in the. I think it was. I think, one. Yeah, it so might have been probably May. I think it was May, oh, okay. but I can't remember specifically. Mm. It, it was in that range, like in the yeah. spring, but all in all, like I think he's gonna lose. I think it's not gonna matter, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it does. Either, I think they're but, just you know. getting it out of the way. <laughs> but uh, before we get started with the recap, uh, of course, we got a Miles that's going to be breaking down episode five and six of The Ultimate Fighter. But uh, oh, yeah. right before we get to that, I just want everybody to let you guys know this is Cage by Q, the best place for MMA content. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Cage by Q at those handles. And then you can find us on YouTube at Fighters First Now. That's our new uh, YouTube channel. So go to that channel, subscribe to it. We are on it. Art of MMA is on it. And then we're, we're getting ready to add a few other MMA and I believe wrestling podcasts on there. So go to that, check it out, subscribe to it. Give us all the comments on there and let us know what you think. And then as always, uh, we just issued merch out now so we got that now you can find mm. a, the merch right here Sexy. just go to just go to at fightersfirst.shop scroll down to the cage my iq collection and then just pick whichever one you like uh help us out we just got it started so uh, if you if you like mma buy one of our shirts and let us know if you buy one of our shirts just message me and we'll give you a shout out on on the next show so uh definitely let us know if you uh get one but yeah. uh, 
that's, that's as, like, as a side note, if you buy one of those shirts, you will look that attractive. Like we did a science <laughs> and it actually makes you 40% yes. more attractive to the opposite sex. Well, shit. Like, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Go get those shirts, man. Yeah, exactly. But let's segue well, over from that to uh, episode five and six of Ultimate Fighter. If you mm-hmm. want to give us the breakdown of that right now, Miles. Yeah. All right. So we had episode five and six. We skipped a week, so we got to double up, um, which is kind of perfect because I had a little bit to say about both of these. So it'll kind of average out to like a a normal length segment. So um, episode five, we saw a fight between Brian Battle from Team Volkanovsky and Cameron Lechnov uh, from Team Ortega. And both of these guys were the last picks of their team. So they kind of felt like they had something to prove for sure. Uh, Drama-wise, you had Mitch Raposo, and he was being a whiny bitch again. <laughs> he's he's really As not always. handling his loss. Yeah, he he does not like the fact that he lost, and he's not handling it well at all. Mm. So this time he's taking it out on everybody in the house, and he got <laughs> into an, into an argument with uh, Petrosky, and they were arguing about the coaches, and uh, basically. Uh, Raposo was saying that the way Ortega was behaving made him seem like he wasn't a genuine guy and he was a showboat and like he didn't care about the fighters or whatever. And he also took issue with the argument they had in the in episode four between the coaches, Michael Chiesa, and like a couple of the uh, oh, and, and Petrosky was in that argument too. So they kind of blew up a little bit at each other. Um, but yeah, it didn't really go anywhere. It wasn't like a, a throwdown sort of argument. They just yelled at each other and left. But um, yeah, Mitch Raposo is being a bitch. He just he's very upset that he lost and he's having trouble car- compartmentalizing that and moving on. Like it's really bothering him. Um, <laughs> Ortega, <laughs> which funny enough, uh, on a related note, Ortega visited the house <laughs> and Mitch did not take that well either. So. <laughs> He was basically sitting there steaming, going like, "I mean, he's got a, he's got a showboat. It's just uh, that's just man. He's a what do you say? He's a um, classless motherfucker. Ortega's a classless motherfucker. It's like, bro, you lost. Just okay, it's fine. <laughs> Move on. Jesus Christ. Well, that was the drama for the episode. That mm. um, was interesting about these two guys in particular, Brian Battle and Lechnov are two. I wouldn't say they're completely unknown, but they are fighting out of completely unknown gyms. They're not like the other fighters we've seen so far who are coming out of big name gyms like uh, Extreme Couture with like big name UFC guys as their training partners. These guys are like from the boonies, basically. Uh, You've got Battle, Brian Battle. He didn't have any particular training before he entered MMA, so... He is more well-rounded because he went into an MMA gym and just kind of started working on everything at once, but no previous credentials. He trains out of uh, Hyastan. I think I'm saying that right. Hyastan MMA in North Carolina, a little tiny gym out there. His record is five and one, and all of his wins have come by finish. So he's never uh, had to rely on the judges to win a fight. Lechnov, on the other hand, uh, he is a former soccer player, apparently turned MMA fighter, because he'd get into fights uh, during the soccer games, and he figured out that was his actual calling, not the soccer part of it. (laughs) So, I mean, hey, you know, we all find it in different ways. Um, He's also pretty well-rounded. There wasn't any indication that he had any sort of significant credentialed experience in any particular skill set before he started MMA, so he's kind of the same story where... (laughs) He built up all the skill sets kind of simultaneously. 
However, he is a former NEF welterweight champion, and I think he did fight in a few other uh, minor professional leagues. So, like, he's been around. He's got some more. He's got way more experience. Not some more. Way more experience than Brian Battle. His record is ten and three, and he trains out of Tim Team Link Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in Massachusetts. Again, kind of an unknown gym. Now, as far as the fight goes, uh, Brian Battle spent pretty much both rounds that it lasted staying outside of Lechinov's striking range because he was a much longer fighter. I think he had like a five inch reach advantage. And uh, so he just do stick and move approach. Basically he just throw some long kicks, uh, stay outside of the punching range with his, his longer arms. And then anytime Lechinov would get close, he'd just try to circle out and stay outside of this sort of like, you got a standard trade sort of range. He wanted the, I'm going to hit you real quick and run away sort of range. But it was working for him. Uh, Lechinov looked pretty good at the beginning of the first round and a little bit in the second. He had his moments um, where basically his counter approach was to try to walk down Brian Battle. And it was kind of working a little bit. Um, but the biggest thing that I noticed was the difference in how much Brian Battle was affected by Lechinov's punches versus the other way around. Like whenever Lechinov would hit Brian Battle with anything, he would back off immediately. Like you could tell it was affecting him and vice versa. Brian Battle didn't seem to do any significant damage to Lechinov, including a moment in the first round, I believe, where he threw down his hands and just walked straight towards Brian Battle and absorbed five punches to the face and a head mm. kick without flinching. He just took Jesus it. Jesus like, Christ. So it was like, uh, I think Brian Battle's a little outclassed when it comes to like punching power and shit. But um, for some reason, like like Lechinov could have won this if he just kept that kind of walking him down, hold his feet to the fire and make him stand in that striking range. For some reason, he didn't do that. And he kept forcing wrestling situations for like no fucking reason. He would just shoot in, tie up on the legs, move up, and the Brian Battle would get the underhooks and then just slip away and we'd just be back to square one. There was a point, I think at the end of the first, where they went to the ground for a second, but nothing really happened there. Um, it was just kind of like this weird thing he kept doing. And even the coaches, you heard uh, uh, Ortega tell him, dude, let go. Get him back in the in the striking range and beat the shit out of him on the feet. Like, why are you wrestling? So uh, that's really what cost him the fight because he was doing well in those moments where he would force the striking situation. But the minute it would go to wrestling, he was just burning time and energy so that by the time he got to the second round, he was too tired to do anything. He couldn't keep up. He couldn't keep walking him down anymore. And he was literally just like lunging into some of those takedown attempts. It was, hmm. it was yeah, really sloppy. But uh, I'm not sure. Just maybe it was a lapse in planning or execution. But either way, Brian Battle got the decision after two rounds. And that was the first win for Team Volkanovsky. Um, and then week after that, we had episode six. We saw a fight between... Ricky Turkios from Team Volkanovsky and Brian Argata from uh, Team Ortega. Now, this one was pretty light drama-wise. This was really all about the fighters. Uh, but Ortega did play a prank on Volkanovsky by taking all the tires off of his car and then leaving him horses and donkeys to try uh, to get uh. back with. <laughs> that was pretty good. I was like, all right, that's funny. But um, yeah, the, this was interesting because these two guys were really, really closely matched in terms of like their credentials, their background, even the people who trained them. Um, but the biggest difference between them when it came to who won this fight was the mental factor. And it was interesting to kind of see how that played out, especially across uh, uh, the fight, which I believe went two rounds, but I can't remember exactly. Um, so Turkios apparently used to wrestle as a kid. He didn't say he had any credentials or any awards for that. He just did it. So, you know, some experience is better than nothing. 
Uh, he was a local boy here in North Houston, actually. I, I know the gym he trains out of. It's maybe mm-hmm. 20 minutes from my house. Uh, he trains out of Gracie Baja, the Woodlands. And if that sounds familiar, it's because that's the same gym that Alex Moreno trains out of, who recently oh, beat yeah. Cowboy Serena or Cowboy uh, Cerrone. So that's where that name has popped into <coughs> the UFC before. But b- besides that, there's not really any big names that come out of there. Mm. Um, he once fought on Dana White's Contender Series. I think it was like the very first one back in 2017 against Boston Salmon. And he got fucking destroyed. I saw that fight. He got <laughs> fucked mm. up. Salmon was a boxer. And Turkios didn't have any specific skill sets in terms of like he had his good punches or kicks. He just could do both. And... Man, Salmon was just not letting him not letting him do anything. He was the longer fighter, but Salmon would just move in and just piece him up with these combinations, and Turkios couldn't do shit. And so, uh, yeah, he lost pretty soundly back then, but that was four years ago now. So he has improved. Uh, his record now is ten and two. So he went into this fight as the fighter with more experience. Uh, Argueta, on the other hand, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, he didn't have any training before he entered into MMA, so that's kind of his base. Uh, he also trains out of Gracie Baja. However, he trains out of the headquarters in California. So they tend to shuffle around the instructors. So th- a lot of these guys will have been trained by some of the same people, definitely within the same style of jujitsu. It's like even within the same uh, bracket of the family. Hmm. Um, he's got a 5-0 and record as a professional. Now, the, the mental factor between these two guys was that Argetta talked a lot about how bad his fight anxiety was and how scary it was for him to enter into the cage and like the lead up to that and how it affects him and what kind of toll it takes on him uh, versus Ricky had the opposite approach. He spent a lot of time visualizing and kind of centering his mind with meditation, and that helped him like stay centered and keep his head in the game. And I think that's really kind of what what led to the loss for Argetta, uh, Argetta in this fight. Because in the actual fight, he was doing well. Like in the first round, I, I gave him the first round pretty much on all counts. He had a couple of like failed takedown attempts, but and I know he was, really and, well. and I know he was like one of the most well known guys going into the season. Like everybody was like, really. okay, this is the guy to watch. Yeah, I mean, he looked really good. That's the thing. Mm. I could I could see why he's got a um, probably mediocre record compared to some of the guys like uh, uh, um, Murdoch and, and Turcos um, and the other guy, I think Sherlidian also has a lot of wins on his yeah. record as like a, a seasoned pro, but this guy looked like he could hang with all those guys punch like striking wise for sure. Um, he has the jujitsu background. He didn't use it as much. There was a little bit in the end of the first where they kind of did a scramble on the floor. And then there was a couple of times in the second, but nothing horribly technical there, but in the first round versus the other two rounds, or I think it was uh, one round, I tried to finish it all before I got on, but I ran out of time. But um, you could tell there was an immediate difference because in the first round, Argetta was going first. He was winning the exchanges in the in the stand-up, and he was just piecing apart Turcos, who was more like, they say he has a unique, unorthodox style. He flails a lot. That's what they mean. <laughs> like he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't strike very cleanly. He's just a long fighter for the division, so he uses that range to his advantage. But when he goes up against someone who's a lot cleaner and more explosive, he had a lot of trouble. And, and Argata put him in a lot of very difficult positions. But something happened in between that, that first round where he did really well and then the second where it started to fall apart where I think he broke down mentally because it looked like 
he was doing more damage to Turkios than Turkios was doing to him in the standup, at least in the exchanges. He was the power puncher. Turkios was just trying to place his shots and over time wear him down. But I mean, some for some reason, you started to see that those punches were affecting him like more in a way that they weren't in the first round. And it wasn't even necessarily because of volume, I don't think. Like, there wasn't like a, a crazy amount of exchanges where like Turkios was landing 50 punches around or something like that. No, it was like a little average because there was some wrestling and grappling thrown in there. So maybe, maybe in, in the back and forth, Argata absorbed 25 punches at the most. But then a lot of them weren't even like big, solid power punches. A lot of those were like jabs and, and you know, moving, moving crosses. But something in his head just kind of, he couldn't do it. And he started to break down. And it was kind of similar to Lechnov where he would unnecessarily try to force these wrestling situations that didn't make any sense. Uh, and that, that cost him way more energy because they didn't work out. They didn't lead to anything. But he still had to use a bunch of energy trying to make it happen. And I think that's definitely what cost him uh, uh, the rest of this fight. But um, yeah, so now you've got uh, two to four, uh, two wins Volkanovski, four wins Ortega. Um, as the brackets stand now, I don't think Brian Battle or Turkios have a good shot here in terms of like the Ortega guys who are still uh, uh, semifinalists right now. You've got Shalinian, Batrosky, Murdoch, Gore, mm -hmm. all those guys for the middleweights, man. If, if battle has to go against Batrosky or Gore, that doesn't look like it's going to be a fair fight. Like, <laughs> dude, I mean, Gore's got the power, but, but Petrosky has got the, the wrestling Brian battle doesn't have anything significant in either of those areas. So he can get overwhelmed easily. That's kind of the thing is if you're well-rounded, that's good, but it takes a lot of time and experience so that you're really, really, really good at being well-rounded. That's a lot of skills to try to, to try to memorize in a short time. And Turkios is either going to get Shalinian or Murdoch, which both of those guys, again, like Murdoch, I think would punch him out. Like Murdoch's got that striking power and Shalinian, he's a very decorated Ukrainian wrestler and Turkos, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, but I mean, I don't know if he could stand with someone that decorated because even in the jujitsu world, he hasn't done much. He's just been training. I think he's a black belt or no, I think he's a purple belt, actually. Purple or and, brown. And isn't he Ar Armenian too? And then, then he moved to Ukraine. Oh, he was born he in Armenia, but yes. his family moved him to Ukraine very early in his life. So like most of his professional shit was out of Ukraine, which honestly, yeah. Ukraine is a very rough place for combat sports like that's that's mm. that they do, for a lot they do have a belt or champion so they got that going for them yeah. is uh has there been a guy you would think has been like a like i haven't watched this season yet so is there a guy that sticks out for you that's been like a star that you think's really sticking out i mean uh, I, i'm a homer so i'm gonna go yeah. petrasky so <laughs> of course you're gonna go petrasky i actually do like petrasky he looks pretty good i think he has a way to go in his hands especially yes. When he's coming up against Treshawn Gore, who's got great hands. We haven't seen a lot of his wrestling, so I don't know if he at least knows enough to problem solve and kind of stuff Petrosky in those exchanges, force it back into the striking where he's more comfortable. But at the same time, Petrosky was the first win of the season, so he's had all this time to be training and working and getting better and better and better, working with Ortega, who 
we saw Ortega has definitely progressed a lot in his hands with the Korean zombie fight. So his coaches, mm -hmm. whatever they're doing, it's working. So hopefully Petrosky gets a little bit of that because he would look like a good front runner for the middleweights. Um, again, I would like to see a little more out of Treshawn Gore because he talks about his Brazilian jiu-jitsu background and like he uh, trains with some like guys who are really good wrestlers and stuff, but we don't see it. So like, yeah. I don't, I don't even know. I can't yeah, train those guys yet. He, tra he trained with the Limas yeah. at, uh, mm -hmm. at the Gracie Academy there. He was also an uh, American top team, I believe. And now he's there. And of course he got perfectly gets paired with Ortega, who is that style. Uh, mm -hmm. Also who trained from, the the Gracies in California, then he turned into a coach. So it was kind of like a perfect situation for Gore yeah. where he, he has the same style. He can work on similar things, but then kind of add some a few more wrinkles to his game. So he he is my like dark horse. I got to see yeah. a little bit more aggression from him because mm -hmm. in real life, he's kind of too nice. <laughs> he acts too <laughs> nice. But right. if he can tap into that aggression, I could see him as like a dark horse mm -hmm. to win it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of those two guys right now. The last matchup for the middleweights that's going to be coming, uh, not episode seven, I believe episode eight is going to be Mild Hunsinger and Gilbert Orbina. Mm. I don't know who those guys are, but that's those are the only two middleweights who haven't fought so far. Um, as far as the bantamweights, I mean, we didn't see much of him, but I do like Vince Murdoch. Vince Murdoch has great hands. He was going up against a guy who was bigger, younger, less brain damage <laughs> like, <laughs> power striker and he knocked him out in under three minutes in the first round like vince murdoch is a force to be reckoned with and the, i think the trap that shalini and ludwig is going to fall into is he likes to stand and trade he can't do that against murdoch there's no fucking way same thing with turkios i think turkios if he took it to the ground with his jujitsu background might have an edge, but he's going to fall into the trap of, no, I want to stand and trade with this guy and you can't stand and trade with Murdoch. So with the bantamweights right now, Vince Murdoch's looking really good. Mm. Uh, next week, we're going to see the last bantamweight matchup with Joshua Reddinghouse and Brady Highstand. Brady Highstand is a training partner of Michael Chiesa. So he's got a lot yeah. of probably jujitsu background and grappling stuff up his sleeve, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. It'll be nice. And then they literally just announced uh, that their Volkanovski Ortega fight will be the end of September, mm -hmm. where they are looking to do the the fight between Lewis and Naganu before they everything that you know happened to that. So they yeah. they placed that at that end of September uh, fight card. So now we know that that's where it's going to be at. So it's probably going to give from the the finale on here before they had the live one where the the two matchups are uh, live. There'll mm -hmm. be a month gap between the ESPN Plus last episode and then the fights. So that'll nice. be a nice small gap if you want to binge the whole season uh, before the, uh, they do the live finale. So definitely, if you haven't watched any of it yet, to go on to ESPN Plus and check it out. Like you said, there's only six episodes out now, and then tomorrow will be episode seven. And then there's eight episodes before they go into the semifinals, mm -hmm. which will be, be nice. Yeah, be yeah. Like it, it's been nice uh, since uh, they had it on, on a couple years ago. I like the format change. How, I like how, how they're doing it at the Apex. Oh, seeing Ortega mess with uh, Volkanovski has been nice. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> been nice because I've always seen yeah. Ortega as like a, a quiet guy. And now to yeah. see him have this personality change now, or the way you actually see it. 
has yeah. been crazy because it's well, like flipped. Apparently, he's classless. I heard somebody say yeah, he's a classless yeah, so. motherfucker. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. So. I have always seen him as a pretty classy stand-up guy. Yeah, right. I didn't know. You, you got to assume that obviously the producers are involved in some of that, right? Like there's sure. there's someone behind oh, the camera going, yeah. "All right, go in there and call that guy a piece of shit. Let's just see what happens." Like, yeah, exactly for I the ratings. Yeah, there's a little reality based, obviously. For sure. Yeah. 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 Sure. But uh, let's transition from this over to, uh, of course, the recap of UFC 264, uh, Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor 3, the trilogy. Uh, we got the first fight that uh, happened on the main card, which was a men's bantamweight matchup, which saw Sean O'Malley uh, defeat uh, Chris Motino by third round TKO. Okay, I, I just want to say that the the... The, the stoppage was, yeah, was pure bullshit. shit. They, they should just <laughs> let them fight the last 25 seconds. But O'Malley improved to 14 and 1, 6 and 1 in the UFC. And Matino fell to 9 and 5, 0 and 1 with the UFC. I'll start with you, Miles. What did yeah. you think of this? So I would say this was actually an interesting fight for me personally, more so than I think maybe the average fan saw. Um, all three rounds were pretty much the same. M Matino was relentless. He just kept walking uh, O'Malley down, just pressure, pressure, pressure. He could not really get ahead in the striking because O'Malley found his read pretty fast. He got that range. He got that timing. And then he just stayed outside of range, firing his shots because he's a, he's a long guy. So he could definitely reach Matino before Matino could reach him. Um, but Matino had his moments where he would get some shots, get a, a combination or two in there. And you could tell like O'Malley, it caught his attention. He was like, okay, all right, fuck, you're here to fight. I see you. But uh, otherwise, this was a very one-sided fight. I agree that the, the stoppage was fucking bullshit. Like 30 seconds left. And I know they were trying to frame this as like, oh, if he had you know kept fighting, it would be, be worse for his brain damage or whatever. It's like when you're at more than 200 punches <laughs> is another like 15 really going to make that big of a difference you know what it's i mean like what's going to change like... <laughs> in that last 20 seconds exactly like i don't know how what they thought they were saving him from but at that point when you've been punched in the face more than 200 times everything after that is pretty marginal you know what i mean <laughs> like it's not like it's going to be a, a humongous difference also that makes that makes the the loss worse for Matino because now it's a it's a it's a finish instead of being the dude who went three rounds with O'Malley and not only you know made the distance he walked him down he ate punches for three rounds and was still standing but because of the ref you know it it damaged yeah. his his long term reputation for the for the UFC especially since this was his debut I don't think anybody was expecting a win but that performance even the commentators are like okay fuck yeah this guy is here to fight for sure. And he um, got the set, and he got seventy five k. So yeah, I mean that that, that can't can't hurt things at all. But again, because he got finished, and now like who's he going to get next? Some some like guy in the bottom fifties or bottom forties? You know, I, what I, I mean? hope like, that's well. I I kind of hope that he does. Uh, I'll I get into that in a second. In, like the twenties or thirties, I think that'd be a good place for him to start. Uh, because I mean, like there's very few people in that division who could do what he did against O'Malley. Like O'Malley's got power, he's got range. He doesn't deserve to be knocked all the way down to the bottom of the division again for like no reason. He's definitely showing his brass and he he, de he deserves more respect than that. But because he got finished, I think that's going to be the excuse that's used for like, hey, here's this guy from like the bottom of the barrel who's got like a, an 0-3 record sort of thing. You know, like it's 
for that that I don't think will help him develop as a fighter. I don't think it will help his reputation with the fans or anything like that because it's it's both parts in this game. You know, you got to have the experience, the skill, but also the fan approval because even if you're really good, you'll get cut if the fans don't like <laughs> you. So yeah. I don't know. I think that was some bullshit. But as far as like um, what I saw in this fight, which was the most interesting to me, was there was a noticeable weakness in O'Malley's game that I haven't noticed before. And it was kind of hard to see at first, but what it was, it was his gas tank. And mm -hmm. the reason why is because he had a ton of unnecessary movement and he was burning himself out. He wasn't taking a lot of damage, but all that moving, that showboaty ass dodging and weaving shit, you could tell by the second he was... Deep breaths. <laughs> yeah, he was Deep tired. Breaths. He, he, he struggles with guys that make him move back because he has to put more energy into always constantly moving back and that's what Matino was doing he just kept on right. pressuring forward even though he's taking a lot of damage he knew that he was mm. going to be able to at least tire O'Malley out and then right, he was that able was to get an it. error on o O'Malley's part though that wasn't yeah, yeah, no, necessarily no, something yeah. that Matino was doing great because O'Malley had the range if he wanted to stop him he could yeah. he could have just put that hand out there and be like nope that's as far as you go but with his style and I've seen it in other fights, but this fight, I think it was the most pronounced where he was almost trying to do the Anderson Silva thing, you know, with like yeah. the, the showboaty dodging, but doing that for three rounds is very different from doing that for like a second, start landing your combinations, getting the guy to back up and then having a uh, control over that range. He had no control over the range. He was literally Matino dictating the range to him the entire fight. And that's what cost him most of his gas tank to where by the third, I mean, he was calling out some big names like, you know, Cruz and Yan, obviously. But I think like he's earned a, a, a top 15 matchup, not yeah. quite top 10 yet. I'd give him someone like Jimmy Riviera or uh, um, uh, or Marlon Vera, because both of those guys, they start off kind of slow. But second, third round, they really pick up the pace, especially Riviera. Riviera is a big pace guy. He weaponizes his gas tank and. If if <laughs> O'Malley doesn't handle that correctly, he's going to be in some trouble. It's trouble he hasn't been in before, by the I way. I think Rivera would be the more logical choice since he mm. lost to Cheeto yeah, already true, because, yeah. because of that, even though I think he would want that revenge. But I think Vera mm. would be like, I beat you. I'm on the cusp of top 10 now. I'm going right. to shoot for that now. And you can try and come at me later on if for we sure. have to meet down the line. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what did you think of it, D? Uh, yeah, I think Matino ended up being kind of a big story of this fight. Everybody was looking at him. Despite the loss, he just showed unbelievable toughness and that ability to keep going forward. Um, I, my, uh, one of my friend's wife's actually wanted to call him the neon zombie because he just kept <laughs> coming forward with the neon hair. You know, yeah. I thought, yeah, I mean, I could see it. Like, it's just, he was just uh, definitely like a Rocky story. Like, you just wanted to root for this guy. And yeah. You know, he probably wasn't going to obviously win those last 20 seconds, but the way they were just throwing recklessly, you're like, man, anything could happen. This is MMA. Let's just <laughs> see it. No, we yeah. can't see it because you decided to stop it to save what? Um, yeah, uh, interesting. I mean, it's funny they got fighting tonight because it was such an exciting fight. But I think it's also one of those one-sided fights, too, because at the end yeah. of the day, O'Malley still ended up putting work on him. Um it's interesting. I, uh, I I hope Mentino. I kind of agree with you a little bit, D. I think maybe let's just see him against a lower level guy next and see how he does. If he puts a guy out like in the top 40, 50, like really fast, then maybe he gets another fight after that, and we kind of see where he's at. We know he's tough. Um, he's got an amazing chin, but let's see what else he can do. I, I'm interested. He, he puts a hell of a pace on, and that was a short notice fight too. Um, yeah. 
As far as opponents from O'Malley go, I know they're not going to do this, uh, but you talked about his gas tank. And Mm -hmm. there's a guy in that top 10. I'm blanking on his last name, but Marab. Marab, who's like got unlimited gas tank, loves to take people Oh, Divish Valley. Divish Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who's who's trying to lead the division if Sterling didn't fight anytime soon. (laughs) He's actually tied up at the moment. He's scheduled to fight uh, Marlon Moraes on the 25th. That's a good good matchup. Yeah. yeah, It's going to be cool. Yeah, but he's just got like an unbelievable gas tank, loves to take you down. It would be, it's probably a style nightmare for O'Malley. It's probably not something UFC <laughs> would want to put him in there with. Right. But from a purist standpoint, I'd like to see O'Malley keeps evolving. I'd like to see how he would do against somebody like that. But mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I think that's why Riviera is kind of a good compromise. First of all, he's free, yeah. he's not booked. But right. Riviera is known for pushing the pace, like like the Minos fights. He yeah. was really, really like that was kind of his technique was okay, we can stand and trade, we can do the grappling, but I'm gonna try to wear you down with how much energy I have. And that's kind of what O'Malley was doing, but it backfired real bad in this fight. And Riviera's also got a hell of a churn on him. So I think O'Malley, that combination of lots of energy and real tough to knock out is like his his worst nightmare right there because Divish Valley is is a little bit more prone to to punching and kicking damage and uh, that's O'Malley's bread and butter right there. He's got he got a ton of power for this division. He's super long and he knows how to use it. But I think if he goes up against someone who's like really durable and can outlast him, I think that's just going to be he's going to have to train real hard because if he slacks off in training camp, he's going to lose. I think they could also pair him with the guy like uh, I call him the gatekeeper of the division, which is Rafael Sunsau. Like he was supposed to fight about that. Uh, Kyler Phillips, and then he had to back out due to injury, so he's free as well, and he's sitting at that 11 spot. You yeah. got a uh, uh, Rivera who is at 12. You got Sunsau at 11, and then you got Marab at 10. So any of those guys would be good to test how he'll do against top 10 guys. It'll be like that. Okay, you win this. Okay, now you can go against the top 10 now. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it was nice to see how uh, Mar- Mar- Marino did uh, against him because he's coming from the regional scene. Uh, he's come from CFFC, uh, which mostly fights out here in uh, Philadelphia. They just did the last show uh, July 4th weekend. And he was actually supposed to appear on uh, Dana White's Contender Series in oh, sure. august at september but then they were like okay we need a guy since Smolcha uh, uh backed out of this fight so they right. called him he was like i'm free and apparently he works like i think before the fight he worked like an 80 hour week or something like that <laughs> with, his, <laughs> with his uh paint job or something <sighs> like that so like Jesus. i can only imagine how like his training was Jesus. with like two weeks uh a notice That's so for nice. him to do what he did with barely any training i can only imagine to push the pace like he did like he was able to uh, move o'malley back which that's why the fight prolonged that long right because of his chin and then the fact that he was able to make o'malley move back which like you said part of that was o'malley's fault but that's why i think he should get like a a guy in like the 30s or 40s something like that something because grant is like in the upper 30s that could be a that could be a good one like yeah. but that's crazy that, he, that he's up there and he just fought Cheeto Vera right <laughs> and, and then they had a classic fight so that could work it'd just be iffy because he, like him being that high in the rankings is kind of weird because he should be higher than that well, I but, mean Smoka is like forty four and he was supposed to get the O'Malley fight which O'Malley I would like was to see him. 
like knocking on the door yeah. of the top 15. So it's like some of these matchups make no fucking sense yeah. ranking wise. Yeah. yeah, but I want to see him put up against a guy that he sh- probably should beat. Kind of start him slow because you, you got a glimpse of him having like a his toughness and his uh, yeah. big chin where he has a really good chin. Because yeah. you, you just threw him into the fire with this against O'Malley, like a yeah. big a prodigy. He's a good manager. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah. if he could start him slow now, I, I could see the UFC being like, "Okay, you did this for us. We'll do this for you. We'll, we'll get you an easier matchup to get you to get your the ball rolling with you, and we can see how you do. Yeah. If you like annihilate your opponent, then we'll move you up higher mm-hmm. and just keep on playing that with them because of uh, him taking the fight on short notice. I don't think they're going to use this against him that he lost." Because of because taking, uh, taking it on very short notice, and especially yeah. against a guy like O'Malley, but he definitely had his his show in there. Like he, yeah. he yeah. took too much damage, which was a bad thing. I think he had to work on that at some point. But the chin, the way he was able to, to attack O'Malley at certain times, he he hit him a couple of times. He had uh, O'Malley yeah. rocked in, I think, the second round for like a few seconds. He just oh, yeah, wasn't he able him. to. He just wasn't able to capitalize on the moment. O'Malley was able to move out of the way, circle around like he was doing, and then he started doing the basketball uh, <laughs> movements again yeah. that he was doing during the fight. And then it's a good card to, yeah. ha- to have that performance on too, yeah, because mm-hmm. it is a Conor McGregor card, and people are watching. And a lot of people were talking about this kid the next day, so the UFC yeah. might take notice of that and try to take care of him and give him some fights. The more the fans yep. talk about him, to your point, right. Miles, fans start talking about him. That could work out in his favor, but. You know, people are fickle and they forget too. So he, you never know. Uh, yeah. But hopefully, you yeah. know, they take care of him because he's definitely. And then, got and then even the announcers were talking mm. about him. They're like, right. "This guy is tough as shit." Like, uh, the, the, I think it was Cormier. He was like, "Almeida got knocked out by uh, O'Malley," and then even uh, the guy they fought before that, like he, he had guys that he just knocked out, and it took uh, O'Malley this long <laughs> to even get the finish, which wasn't really a finish. It was just. I, I believe it was Herb Dean, right? Yes, yeah, yes, it was, it was Herb. He yep. was just like, okay, I gotta stop this. Even though he was still standing, he was able to defend himself for twenty more seconds. I think I think Herb Dean was kind of quick, but I can see why he did it. Like, I mean, he if he was play. gonna stop, why didn't he stop like a yeah. minute yeah. later? Like, like yeah. something significant, not. 30 yeah. seconds yeah. like if you were going to stop it you should have been like all right first minute into the third oh that's enough of that <laughs> um yeah know, somebody had a great comment on that too but it was during that fight where uh they were quoting masvidal i guess because they were talking about nobody should be a 10 to 1 underdog in modern oh yeah arts. yeah mm-hmm. and then somebody i think cormier or somebody brought up what about Amanda Nunes? <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah all right. All right. <laughs> There's exceptions. <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh, but man. let's move on to the second fight uh, on the card. It was a women's bantamweight matchup, which uh, which saw Irene Aldana defeat Yana Kanitskaya by a first-round knockout. We have Aldana, who moved to 13-6, and 6-4 six, six and four in the UFC, and then Kanitskaya fell to... 14 and six with one no contest and is four and three in the UFC. I'll start with you, Dave. Impressive performance. Uh, not really a lot to say, Adana. I mean, she missed weight, which was unfortunate, yeah. but uh, she looked sharp. Uh, she her hands looked great. Finished her early. I, I was already thinking about matchmaking her um, uh, with Aspen Lad, but she has a fight coming up uh, yeah. against Macy Chazon. Macy Bo- uh, Chazon, yeah. yeah, you're correct. Yeah. Yep. And because Ladd actually, uh, you know, 
she fought uh, Yana before two in her last fight, and they both got first round finishes against the same opponent. So I'm wondering if Adana maybe could meet the winner of that. Uh, regardless, I mean, uh, didn't mean to segue into that, but they're in a tough division. They have to <laughs> fight the aforementioned Amanda Nunes. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it's like, I don't know, but uh, I think that would be some good matchmaking at least. Um, but I don't really have a lot to say about this fight. Adana got it done, and it got me. I was happy because, again, I'm old, and I appreciated her getting the finish. <laughs> so, What about you, Miles? No, I think this fight was was good. It delivered, especially for more of the casual fans. Um, I think it also kind of let people know that, hey, you know what? The women's divisions fights can be pretty fucking exciting, too. It's yes. not just the, you know, the heavyweights that stand there and bang. They could, you know, these women are here to fucking fight, man. And uh, this was a great example of it. I mean, uh, Kunitskaya started out really strong in the striking exchanges at the beginning of the round, mm. but Aldana with that with that boxing background from Mexico, she just found her timing very quickly, which that's kind of what you do in boxing, and she started working that countering game, and she found a lot of success, and it just it led to that one big knockdown on that counter hook, and uh, Aldana was able to capitalize on it and finish by TKO, and uh, yeah, Kunitskaya just just couldn't hang. Very quick fight, but very exciting fight. Um, now in terms of like, what's next, I think Aldana is going to have to wait around for a while just because of like how booked the division is right now. Cause I was thinking the same thing, give her Aspen lad. But the thing with that is Aspen lads booked to fight. So I guess maybe give her the winner of that. And then <clears throat> alongside of that, give Holly home GDR. And then, you know, the winner of that, we can start figuring out orders in terms of who's going to get the, the next shot at the title. After there's, a, there's a little craziness with that because, as you know, of course, Aldana last fight she lost to Holly yeah. Hume, but then yeah. Holly Hume has already lost to Jermaine uh, De Randomy. Uh, yes. right, but so, what else do you do with her though? Yeah. <laughs> you know maybe, maybe you give uh, Aldana uh, her main, and then could you book up uh, Holly Hume against? Uh, uh, Nunez again because they only fought once. I mean, it wasn't even that long ago though. That's like right here. It's the last three fights. That's the third one. That was her loss to Nunez, and then she fought Raquel Pennington and won. And then uh, the most recent one was uh, Irene Aldana win by decision. Yeah, so. yeah. The Durandamine fight was actually a little longer. So I mean, you almost could book that rematch. I don't think it was an exciting oh, yeah, fight. Yeah, you could. And too. I think, yeah, and I think uh, Durandamine might have had some eye pokes or a punch after the bell. There was a little Something controversy like that. in that fight. Yeah, so, I mean, there's definitely room for it. Stylistically, you know, casuals are probably not going to like that fight. I remember they kind of canceled each other out a little bit. But <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. It's MMA. But I yeah. think that would be an interesting fight. Yeah, I think Kunitskaya has got a similar problem where she's just going to be sitting for a while unless she's willing to fight down all the way down to, I think, like the 12 or 11 spot because everybody's booked or she's already beat them. And going yeah. up, that's pretty log jammed. So, like, what does she do now, you know? It's kind of stalled, which sucks because I think, you know, she's what in the UFC, she's four and three. So she's still kind of green, still kind of new. If they had taken more time in the, the 20s and 30s, she could have had a bigger repertoire of experience, more more numbers on her record. But now she's just kind of log jammed with the rest of the division. So I guess we'll see where she goes. This this was a good performance by Aldana though. Like mm -hmm. I, in the preview, like I I basically said that yeah, this was going to be kind of a a tricky uh, situation because uh, Kanitskaya is she's more of a well rounded mm -hmm. fighter where she has the uh, of course the mix and mixed martial arts with her background, and Aldana she mainly just has like the boxing style. 
But I felt like Kinskaya, somewhere along the line of her getting caught up to UFC, all of her finishes, uh, all of her wins were decisions. Mm-hmm. Whereas Adana has been knocking people out. And then, of course, she did lose to Holly Holm. A lot of people lose to her. But uh, she got beat by her. And I felt like she needed to prove herself after that. Whereas Kanitskaya had the controversial decision against Vieira, but she looked good in it fighting off of her back. I just felt like there was no way, unless I saw Kanitskaya get, get her down early, which mm-hmm. would have been unusual, I thought that Aldana was going to get her rhythm going and just pick apart Kanitskaya on the feet. And then, of course, I think it took like 30 seconds before she got into the ribbon and then just started piecing her up with that jab. Mm-hmm. And then she got hurt after like... The, the third or fourth one, and then it was just a matter of time before she got knocked down. And then I, I was really impressed with how she took her time. Aldana did when she had uh, Sky on the ground. She didn't rush right in there. She just mm-hmm. took her time, picked her moments, and then she was able to get the finish. I think, what was it, 30 seconds left? Something like that. It was close yeah. to the end. It was right yeah. up against it. Let's see. Yeah, and then she, uh, she uh, one technique that I thought was great was when she had uh, Sky on the ground, she kind of sat on Kanitskaya's feet to get a really good shot at her. And then Kanitskaya moved to her side, and then she basically had her dead mm-hmm. to rights there because Kanitskaya couldn't move around mm-hmm. too much. And then she just, at that moment, Kanitskaya was just like this. And then, she, then then that's when the ref called for it because she wasn't able to defend herself. Yep. But it was pretty It was pretty good. Uh, I don't know what to expect from uh, Kanitskaya now because she, uh, she's going to have to kind of wait too because uh, Pena is fighting Nunez. Shorty, weird, right? Sh- like, that's yeah. a little odd. <laughs> Shorty beat Vieira. They needed uh, an opponent. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Sarah McMahon's booked. Chiesan's booked. Yeah. You could have Lena Lindsberg or Penny Clenzad. Mm-hmm. And then Reina, Reina's fighting this week. So mm-hmm. it's like. Fights. Are all great, but the yeah. problem, and with, with the exception of strawweight, the problem with featherweight, bantamweight is Nunez is the champ, and then at yeah. flyweight, Shevchenko is the champ, and like they're just two most dominant champions of all time. So yeah. you got the rest of the division, which is all competitive, great fights. But then that's why they're always. That's part of the reason why we're doing like this. I mean, it's bullshit, but the uh, Lewis uh, gone uh, yeah. interim title because they know yeah. that people are. Nunes is going to just win that fight and it's going to be dominant. So it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. But then I would say the strawweight division is that exception, right? Like you got so many talented women up top that anybody can win, whether it's Rose or Wei Jing, or it's just, you know, all mm-hmm. of them almost feel like you could win at any given moment. Esparza was the inaugural world champion. And then yeah. she's the likely going to, she, she has a case to get in a, a title fight. Mm-hmm. after the rematch because if i don't see the rematch i'm gonna be pissed right, uh, that, that's, right? that's what we that's what we deserve <laughs> and then yeah. Yeah, and then you got i think i think dern is booked to fight rodriguez now so that's, that's like that, that four or five spot so that's see. gonna be very entertaining that may be the okay the next per the, the next person between the two of them that wins will, will m- might be next in line they might right. put them against the yan Nan they might do that but like i see what the winner of that getting that next push like i feel like they're, they're hoping mackenzie dern gets the win and then gets pushed up because of uh 
how her she's been going up stock wise the past mm-hmm. couple of years. Yeah. And then from there on out, you got like Claudia Goodell has looked decent. You got Watterson Torres, Reba. Maybe we actually see Reba's and Hill fight finally after they had four cancellations there <laughs> next to each other in the rankings. Reba's just got, right. it got booked against uh, what's her name, Janituba. Uh, uh, Verna Janituba, she she fought a couple weeks ago on the prelims and she looked really well in her. I feel fight. like I just totally got us off track by mentioning women's strawweights. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a that's really, division now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a really good division where they got a talent coming up yeah. and it's not really a log jam there, so it makes it even yeah. good. Like you got the two. Uh, having a rematch, and it's like, okay, next woman up, and then that being said, should be. I do think it's almost like an any given Sunday at that top where all those girls are capable of beating each other. But I do think when she's on her game, Rose is the one that just impresses me the most. Just with those finishes she's pulled off, the way she's pulled it off, I'm like, man, when this girl's on her game, I just mm-hmm. see that potential there. But again, we've seen her have an off night, like against Andros right. and stuff, competitive fights, and Whaley blitzed her and mauled her. Yeah. So it's like. You never know. That's just such a good right. division. I think that's the difference. Is like Shevenko and Nunez really don't have bad nights. Like they no, really, I don't. They yeah. don't. <laughs> well, yeah. Against each people, other, they man. do. But like, yeah, that's that's yeah, the only exception. It's like the yeah. uh, the immovable object meets meets the unstoppable force. Like even that fight, you have to fight at uh, you can have to do it at bantamweight or somewhere in between. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to see Shevenko fight. Nunez at a full featherweight camp. I can't even imagine yeah. what that's gonna look like. like but I mean, I think if she it, takes the year to like bulk up and like, yeah, gym, that'd be dope. <laughs> I, got, I gotta see though how Whaley looks in the second fight. Like, is she gonna come in motivated? Like, like oh, she's coming pissed. in gun for so revenge. She's so mad. Like, 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 like what? One thing we learned from the Ultimate Fighter and Whaley, and what we'll learn later on in the main event: fighters don't lose well a lot of times. <laughs> they don't handle it well. <laughs> but, but I do think there's that underlying uh, matchup uh, that hasn't happened yet between uh, uh, Sparza and Rose because they both c- competed on the on the ultimate fighter yeah. against each other where uh, Rose lost to Sparza in the finals. Yeah, sure. So there's that, uh, that appear there for the audience to be like, okay, Rose can defend against her. Uh, is she going to be extra motivated because she lost her to begin with right. at that time? And then Sparza, she beat her, but then of course she lost the title mm-hmm. uh, right away uh, to, uh, I think to it was, uh, yeah, yeah. To her, uh, is she going to be motivated to fight her again and have that extra motivation? Or is it going to be like, I beat her once. I, I, I'm going to come in too confident knowing mm. that. And yeah. where if she does, she's going to get knocked out. Yeah. But then she somehow has this reputation of being able to take everybody down. She just doesn't do much with it. Uh, with people that actually uh, fight back. Whereas in the last fight against Jan, she wasn't, Jan just didn't defend she was just defenseless because she has no takedown defense or anything at all. So she yeah. just destroyed her jitsu guys in China. I don't know what's going on yeah. over there, but like, they don't seem to know what to do on the ground when they get there. They are fucking helpless, <laughs> yeah. but uh, let's transition to the third fight on the, on the card. The, to me, the most entertaining of the five <laughs> is the end. And we had the heavyweight matchup, which saw Ty Toy Vasa defeat Greg Hardy by first round knockout. Ty Torivasa moved to 13 and three 
six and three in the UFC, and Greg Hardy fell to seven and four with one no contest, four four and one with one no contest mm. in the UFC. I'll start with you, Miles. I mean, yeah, this was this was a fun banger, the likes of which is reminiscent of early UFC heavyweights. You know, just a couple of big ass dudes going in there and punching the shit out of each other. <laughs> that's that's basically what it was. And what's interesting is Tolvasa actually threw in some of those leg kicks. He was investing on the legs real early in the round. Uh, but you know, investment didn't really have to pay off because like, what was it? Uh, when was the stoppage in this fight? It was the first, it was a minute and seven seconds. In. Mm. <laughs> minute and seven seconds in, like right around that one minute mark, uh, Hardy managed to wobble Talvasa just for a second. And unfortunately, like Hardy rushed in when he shouldn't have. And that counter left hook or just like right off the, actually, I'm sorry, it was the rear hook. It was probably the right. Um, that's what put Hardy down onto the canvas. And, and that was it. That was it. And really, the only reason Hardy lost this fight, I think, is because he's too green. I think he mm. saw that wobble and he was like, oh, this is my chance. But like watching it, I could have told him like, no, that's not your opportunity because Toy Vasa got his feet under him like immediately. He hit he hit him and he was like, ow, that hurt. But then his feet were solid. His guard was up. He was looking right at Hardy like, yeah. all right, now what? You know, like that's not the time to rush in. He's and, ready for you now. <laughs> and Ty missed the first shot too. Yeah. He whiffed and then hit him with the knockout. Yeah. Yeah. Which was so, crazy. It was just, man. it was just like boom, boom. Uh, like I was watching that fight and I'm like, uh, I did the preview. I'm like, watch for everybody's going on Greg Hardy's, uh, the, the Greg Hardy bandwagon for this fight. And I'm like, I was like, I don't know why. Like, mm. he doesn't defend the leg kicks. He just. I think mm. he has the tools to do it. He's too yes. green to put it all together, yeah. though. Yeah. He just doesn't and, have the experience. And then it's, I was like, Ty Troyvasa has already fought. He he lost three fights, and he was at his kind of low point. And then he was like, okay, I need to add leg kicks to my repertoire. He did that, and I need to change a little bit up. Uh, what, what does he do right away? He throws three yeah, leg kicks and, 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 and that were heavy. And they were hurting Greg uh, Greg Hardy, and he was actually limping mm -hmm. for the the rest of the fight, which only was like a round of uh, yeah. less than a minute, <laughs> of course. After that, yeah. but I think that had a little bit, uh, somewhat of an effect on him and jumping right in there because he was kind of like hobbly mm -hmm. at that point. But he was able to connect on that shot, and then he got hit. He was yeah. when he got hit, he was out. Like they were saying, he, his yeah. eyes yeah. were like, Whoo, like he, was he ran into that shot too. He like, did he went yeah. right into that. Yeah. He's got that like blitz offense, almost like from football days. Like yeah. he just loves to go in, and it's like he he gets caught by doing that too, though. Yeah. And it's the first time I remember him getting knocked out like that, though. But mm -hmm. you know, Ty's got that power. Uh, yeah, what a yeah. showman, though, huh? Yeah, you would think that with, the, with <laughs> you would think with his yeah. uh, conditioning and how he should be able to last long in fights, mm -hmm. that he would kind of take the pace and then slow it down try to slow the fight down right. let uh, Tai Trivasa tie himself out by doing mm -hmm. a lot of the production that he was doing because right. he's eventually going to slow down a little bit but he 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 didn't like he just kept on pushing the gas while right. Tai Trivasa was and it was kind of like boom and then he connected mm -hmm. and then he ran in too fast like you said and he left himself open 
because he uh, Ty Tarvasa recovered so fast. And I was just like, it just happened in a matter of seconds. I'm like, oh my god, he's hit. Oh my god, he's knocked out now. Oh yeah. shit. Oh I my god, this, might, this had the potential to like be one of those fights where they were gonna hang on each other too. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I could see the gas tanks going, but you know, it's funny. We're all talking about the knockout and the shoey, but let us not forget the entrance. Where Ty came out to the Spice Girls, <laughs> I thought That's true, yeah. I thought he was great. He's feeling his song yeah. and everything, and yeah. I'm like, and then afterwards they did the they did the, the intros, and then uh, Greg Hardy points to the center of the octagon, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he's like, "Let's go!" And then mm-hmm. after the fight, uh, Ty Travasa goes, "I don't think that guy's ever gonna do that again. He's not gonna ever <laughs> point to the center of the octagon again after that right. one." But I mean, here's, a, here's a question I have though, uh, real quick. Uh, is this the end of the Greg Hardy experiment on the main card? Do you I mean, he, he, needs, now? he needs a fucking new trainer. I think that's what this yeah. is because either one, his trainer was shit who didn't put together a good enough uh, uh, game plan going into this and literally just told him, yeah, yeah, like fucking go in and blitz him early and, and fucking wear on him a little. He can't keep up with you. You're a football player. And of course, if you watch, any of Taito Vasa's fights, you know that first of all, he can last, but second of all, the way he responds to that is by taking the counteroffensive, and he finds a lot of success doing that. So, like, that's a terrible strategy. Don't do that. Or his coach couldn't keep him under control. Either the coach had a good game plan, was like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna pace this out, we're gonna take all three rounds, we're gonna take our time, and if the knockout happens, it happens. If not, we're gonna we're gonna win it, and it's gonna be obvious to the judges who's the better fighter out there. And if if you know. Game time comes. If you're in the fight and the fighter's doing one thing and it's not the game plan, as the coach, you need to be like, what are you doing? We had a plan. Stick to the plan. You know what I mean? And when they're shouting from the sidelines, that's that's what you got to do. It's like, hey, follow the fucking plan, dumbass. So I think if he gets a new trainer, we could see a turnaround because Greg Hardy has the athleticism. He has the size. He's got the, the knockout power. It's just he doesn't know how to put it together yet. And I think that's got to come from the coaching, the in-the-gym time, there's just not enough of something. There's some factor missing, whether it's the strategy portion of it, whether it's the blending all those skills together in a way that makes him a real problem for the division. There's mm-hmm. there's some ingredient that's just not there. So I, I think he's going to have to earn his way back to the main card. I think he's probably going to have to hang on and, and maybe be like a, a co-main event or a bait event for the prelims card for a while, maybe spend some more time in that twenties range building experience. Um, and, and, you know, if he does the work he needs to do, changes up the training camps, gets better coaches who can either control him or give him better advice during the fight. I think he could break into the top 15. He's got the skills to do it. So I think maybe a good starting point is give him someone like uh, Marcos, uh, Marcus DeLima or OSP, neither of which I think are going to be main carding anytime soon because of how embarrassing their fights went. But I think they're also good stylistic matchups because they're going to be guys who are going to uh, probably try to force him into wrestling and take him to the ground. But Greg Hardy's a big guy. It also gives us an idea of you know what the, the well-rounded nature of his game looks like. If it gets to the ground, is he helpless? Or can he can he problem solve at the very least and put it back into that striking range where his strengths are? Um, I mean, I think it would be a good experiment. And also, like, give him OSP just because, like, we need to get OSP out of there. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is, <laughs> what is even, what the fuck was that against Tanner Bozer? But um, no, I think Tovasa, you, you mentioned he, yeah, he's been on a winning streak. He's been doing really, yeah. really well lately. Um, I think he still has a long way to go before he can hang with some of the higher ups. Cause man, the, the heavyweight division has undergone so much evolution with guys like, you know, Curtis blades, Stipe, 
Cyril gone. I mean, even like uh, Volkov, Rosenstruck, those are guys that are a little more reminiscent of old UFC, but man, they've got so many skills. They're so well-rounded at this point. It's not the days of like big country anymore where he could be in the top 10, you know, like that's just not how you do that anymore. But I think maybe a good place to start is give him fucking Spivak and just get that guy out of there. The funny thing note. is he actually lost to Spivak yes. before. I'm looking, so, at, like, I'm looking at it right now. He, uh, in the, in the three fight losing streak, he got yeah. knocked out by Dos Santos. Yep. Then he, yep. he lost the decision to, uh, Ivanov who's uh, ranked number. Uh, was it, a? Uh, even of is. 13. Yep. There you go. And then he lost to Spivak, who's ranked number 14, which he got beat by a second round arm triangle choke. And I think he was actually winning that fight when he lost. I mean, this is a chance to it. get it back. That, yeah. This is the yeah. chance. And like, nobody's high on Spivak right now after that Olenek fight. They're yeah. like, bro, <laughs> really? For real? We got, we got a comment oh, here. God. Okay. Cage, the man got caught the same way I did. First mecha attempt, too many big dogs when there's two instead of different game than betting. No, mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. This is the, the topology uh, group that I'm in. Of course, I said I went six and six this week. Don't worry because I'm going to do better uh, uh, this upcoming week. <laughs> I, I said before, my in the prelims, I, like, I struggled. Uh, I, I changed two picks at the last second that I wasn't proud of and mm-hmm. I would have went eight and four and I still would have lost because my opponent went 10 and two. He only had mm. two losses. So it was oh, like, wow. he, like he just crushed it. And even with eight and four, I would have lost, but I'm going to come back with a vengeance uh, this week. What about, <laughs> Walt, what about Walt Harris? What's he ranked these days? I know he had a couple number of losses. 11. No, number 11. 11 still. No one cares because he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, like, you know, he's very explosive, though. Like, him and um, uh, Ty could have an interesting banger. I think Ty would yeah, actually take him. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. Him. Yeah, I think Ty mm-hmm. could take him. Yeah. Like, like, we were off air, and, like, me and uh, Jim, he does the, the previews with me, and I was like, they need to just put Walt Harris against Spivak so that they can put a smile on my loser, face. Loser leaves town. Yeah, loser leaves town. Like, they have to retire. Uh, I, I gotta see because they're, they're both guys that are far off. Like, yeah. like Spivak, like, miraculously won just because. Uh, <laughs> As a fighter that he was fighting is like forty three, and the most I, knockoutable guy in the division, and he couldn't, couldn't make it happen. That. <laughs> couldn't make like, it happen. <laughs> he couldn't even do that, and I was actually rooting against Spivak there, right. which is crazy because I wanted Spivak to win in the first place. Right. And he just the just mid fight, I was just like, I'm I'm banning ship. I want him to lose. <laughs> go go Olenek. <laughs> it's like i said the, on that on that review card it's very rare to see an embarrassing win but that's yeah. what we got we got mm. an embarrassing win from spivak in that olenic fight but but it's, it's kind of tough to see who you would put tai Turivasa against now like do you give him the those re those uh rematches or do you give him mm. sergey pavlovich or even uh, mm. walt harris i would kind of want to see him go against walt harris just because he's at mm. 11 he has a bottom uh that that'd be an interesting fight because Walt Harris is a guy mm. that likes to go gung ho. I could see it going round. the same way. 
Yeah. 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 But I mean, what happens if he wins, though? Because let's say he hits that number 11 spot. Now he's up against uh, Tim Aspinall right below him, Chris Dawkins right above him, even guys like Tabora. And then once you get closer to the top five, you got Rosenstruck, Volkov. Like, there's a ton of guys. He's just outclassed. I think he'd even have trouble against like Sakai because of how well rounded he is. I I think he's going to be a a Cowboy Cerrone of that heavyweight division at best. Like, he's going to be a guy. He takes fights. He's going to be like a gatekeeper. He's going to be entertaining, but I don't ever see him in that champion. Unless something really changes. Like, I don't see him in that champion. The top six guys all do like an Anderson Silva leg break just in there consecutively. (laughs) But I do think he has that knockout power where he can, even if he's outclassed, he can knock any of those guys out with like a lucky shot. He has that capability. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that he ha- he has improvements that he has to make in other aspects. Where uh, if he were to improve, he would be able to win fights without have to rely on the knockout, mm-hmm. like he has. Like it's nice to see him add the leg kick that gives that nice change of pace where he can actually uh, like slow guys down. But then he has to. I think he has to work on his movement, the way he moves, the way he j- just doesn't rush in. It, like he needs to take his time and then he should work on uh uh i, I hate to say this but losing a little weight uh, like dude like, I mean, he's got to, though like yeah, that's I, just what it is yeah. he has to like do the Derek lewis where you hire nutritionists mm-hmm. bring them in it doesn't have to be crazy just enough to improve your conditioning where he can last a little bit longer in the fights because if he can do that he he, he would be a big threat because of mm-hmm. the his style and whatnot well, and I don't I think, think it's even it. just like his casting. It's just that yeah. some of these guys, like right there, 11 and 10, or I'm sorry, 12 and 10, Tim Aspinall, Chris Dawkins, they're both heavyweights, but man, they move. They can move. And you get a guy like Toy Vasa in there, it's going to be like, you know, Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis, where Derek Lewis is like, I'm not keeping up with this guy. There's yeah. no fucking way. If I try to push the pace like that, I'll be done after the first round. Just like, <gasps> Why did I do that? Fuck. Like, that's that's the boat he'll be in. And unfortunately, this, the division is looking more and more like that, where it's big guys who are more of the body type of like a middleweight, and they're very light on their feet, and they can move, and they got all the skills. Toy Voss is going in there with a ton of power, but he's also going in there with a ton of weight on him. He's not very uh, agile on the feet. He's incorporating leg kicks now. But he's mostly, I noticed a lot of thigh kicks. I didn't see as many calf kicks. Calf kicks are sort of the thing because one, they don't require as much power. They don't require as much technique. You can snap them out there. They add up a lot faster and they fuck with your base, which means over the course of the fight, they fuck with your striking power too. And so if he goes up against guys who know that, like Chris Dawkins and Aspinall, suddenly that striking power, that knockout power means less because if he's not defending those calf kicks... He's just going to get worn down and, and, you know, you can counter all you want, but then he's going to end up in the same boat and boat as like Rosenstruck, but he's even heavier than Rosenstruck. Like Rosenstruck's a little bit more agile than he is. And he will oftentimes find himself in a, in quite a bit of trouble when he's up against like a Cyril gone or I'm projecting forward a Tim Aspinall. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like speaking think, of uh, you know. Tom Aspinall, they haven't booked him since he won. Which yeah. What the back fuck is up like with that? I want to see that guy fight again. Like, like, <laughs> He fought on the same card as Chris Darkus, and Chris Darkus got booked like right away. He's booked, he's ready to go, and I think he's fighting in a couple weeks. But then Aspinall hasn't been booked. Uh, do you see a situation where maybe now they book him against Taito Vasa to see uh, how that goes, or do you do you think it's more like a wait and see with the guys mm-hmm. in the top ten because they want? they have high hopes for Aspinall. That's, with, I mean, think about background. Aspinall too. Like for Aspinall, they're like, all right, 
We want you to fight down. Okay, how far down? Well, if you lose, you're out of the top 15. Why the fuck would I do that? Exactly, <laughs> like, no, dude, I'll just, I'll wait around. Maybe he can take like a Sakai or a Tabura, which again, That's those guys are a little on the heavier side and he's yeah. got the movement. He He's not lost when he gets to the wrestling. He's actually a pretty good grappler. And so I think uh -huh. he could cancel out a lot of what Sakai and Tabura bring to the table and move up into that 10 spot. So I think if, if Dana White pressures him into this toy, Tai Telvasa fight, he'll be like, what? No, fuck that. I have everything to lose, nothing to gain from that. You know what I mean? Like, it makes no sense. What's up, two cents? How's it going? Oh, what's going on? Yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be interesting. I, I think they're going to put Aspinall against Sakai. Yeah, cool. obviously at the spot there. Uh, he he's coming in off a loss, and usually how they work it is a guy mm -hmm. outside of the top ten. They want to feed him to a guy in the top ten that lost most of the right. time. So I could see that. And then with Tuivasa, it's going to be a wait and see. Maybe the game, like we said, a rematch. I would put him. I would actually put him against Ivanov again and see how he does there, since he only lost by decision. Yeah. And so to test him a little bit. So I'll go with that, and then. Greg Hardy, I have no idea. I really don't. Just down I think, in the 20s. but but just, just put him, <laughs> just put him on the 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 main event of the prelims. That'll be a good spot because I think yeah. right now, it, the the experiment on the main card needs to just go. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he has to prove himself now. He's four and four uh, on the main card. I think that's where you know. Okay, he's two. He's not getting any traction. Let's move him right. to the prelim. Let him regather himself and then see what he does there. And then if right. he still doesn't improve, then you have to think about, okay, maybe it's best for business if we cut him because he's not he like he's gaining us a little bit of ice from the NFL mm -hmm. society, but he's not winning. Right. He, I mean, he's, he's only 500 in the, in the UFC. Yeah. And a, a matchup I just thought of that it might be kind of interesting. It's within the correct range. Um, and this guy just come, came off of a pretty decent win. Uh, Jared Vendera, the, yeah. the Australian guy who just beat Justin Taffa, the guy, when he split his, his head, it was like squirting. And he just got mm. booked too this week. Oh, he did. He's I'm booked. Uh, he got a good fight. Uh, I would have to bring it up on uh it's on uh twitter they actually booked him two days ago let me uh bring it up on my because i was gonna say those those two guys might match up stylistically all right because they're he a little bit, has a little good bit lighter for big guys and, and they tend to move around so that might be interesting to watch and they both have uh as many wins as they do losses <laughs> so I mean, it is right about uh, I'm looking for it right now. I'm trying yeah. to think. I think he has a top 15 matchup, actually. Does he yeah. really? He's like yeah. in the 30s, I think. Yeah, he's like in the 30s or so. Maybe upper 20s. That's a big jump. Because they announced, okay, Jimmy Cruton is going to be fighting Jamal Hill. Both guys who broke the legs. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jamal Hill, wasn't he the arm? Okay, here it is. No, it's not a top uh, uh, 10. And it's Jared Vandere fighting Alexander Romanoff. They're fighting each other October 9th. Roman. Oh, I see. Okay. He's yeah. like upper 20s. Oh, this guy's yeah. got a 3-0 record. Okay. Uh, which okay. is a pretty decent fight. Yeah. And like they, 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 they just went on a, a, a fighting announcement spree the past two days. I know in the same card as Crute and, uh, and Hall, they booked Kevin Holland, who is fighting... Mm. Uh, who is he fighting? He's fighting again. That's fun. 
<laughs> you see uh, Alexander Gustafson is fighting Paul Craig. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and they finally back. and they finally they finally booked uh Patty Pemblet. He's he's mm-hmm. finally booked oh, now. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. Luigi Vanderimi on September 4th. Oh cool. He's going to be fighting and then Courtney Casey, Liana, somebody. And it doesn't really matter to me who she's fighting. I'm trying to find the uh, Kevin Holland. They gave him a a good fight. And yeah, let me see if it's posted here. Maybe it's already up. Holland, you said. Like- oh, and and Perez, Alex Perez is now fighting Matt Snell because of uh, what's his name getting hurt. Oh, Kevin Holland. I got Kyle Dawkins here. Yes, that's who it is. Cool. You got Kyle Dawkins. Perez was supposed to fight Askar after Askarov. Oh yeah. And then Askar uh, got hurt, so he's getting replaced with Matt Schnell. Hmm. So they they got a lot of uh, they got up to okay. the end of October uh, almost fully booked now. So it's going to be they got some really good fight cards uh, coming up at the end of summer, which are uh, looking very good, especially September. I like the September ones uh, nice. very well. So at least nice. we got that. But uh, let's move to the co-main event of the evening right now. Uh, we had uh, this was a very entertaining one to me, at least. Mm-hmm. Welterweight matchup. We saw Gilbert Burns uh, defeat Stephen Thompson by unanimous decision. Uh, Gilbert Burns moved to twenty and four, and then Stephen Thompson fell to uh, sixteen five and one. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Dave. Impressive performance by Gilbert Burns. A lot of tools. Uh, Wonder Boy. I don't know if he gets the credit too. He's got solid takedown defense too. And Burns was able to get him down uh, on the feet. Uh, Burns was able to hang with him, and I thought Burns has fought a smart, you know, smart, talented. He's a smart, talented guy, and he fought a smart fight. And uh, you know, like we said, there are maybe a few casual fans in the audience who didn't really uh, enjoy this style, but I don't know. I thought it was good, and I'm interested to see where Burns goes next because I want to say. I think he wants to fight Masvidal, which would be a big name, but uh, which is crazy. That that would yeah. be more of like a muddy fight. <laughs> yeah, uh, you would say now. You would say <laughs> that matchup. because he, he's ranked number seven now. <laughs> right. So like, right. Yeah. And Burns is two. Right. Uh, there would only be one logical name for him to go after, mm-hmm. other than Usman, and that's Kobe Covington. Covington. Right. Yeah. Now, but who does Usman fight? Because he's basically cleared out. He's beaten Covington. He's beaten Burns. He's beaten Masvidal right. twice. I know? think they were hoping yeah. that Stephen Thompson would win, but that's true. They were, yeah. yeah. But then you would but, have to you'd, you'd have to look at Leon Edwards. You kind of have to look at sure. him because it's like yeah. he did win against Nate Diaz. He basically destroyed him, minus the fifth round. Right. Um, you, yeah. Maybe the winner of uh, Kiesa. Uh, Vincent Luque uh, coming up. See what, there. I, what I'm thinking is like because Burns didn't finish, he's probably in the conversation for second or third in line. Yeah, Michael Chia or uh, yeah, Chiesa Luque. That fight's gonna happen. Give that winner to Edwards, and if mm. that fight doesn't get a finish, then give uh, Covington because he's just been sitting there. He did come off of a, a finish, even though it was against uh, uh, um, Woodley. Woodley, right? So I mean, it's not a huge win, but he still finished. So I think he's got a case for first. If uh, the winner of Luke Chiesa can't finish Edwards, then give Burns the next shot, and then the winner of that fight the third line shot, and then you can just kind of work from there. What if, what if you did Colby Covington uh, faces uh, the winner of uh, 
What was it going to say? Luke, Luke Chiesa? No, Luke No, uh, Chiesa? No, what if they booked uh, Colby oh, Covington okay. against Edwards? I mean, you, I don't think Covington will do and then it. You book, and, then cool. you book, and then you book Burns against the winner of Chiesa Luke. That'd be mm. cool. But I think Burns might not want to do that because there's not as big of names. Like the 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 draw for Jorge Masvidal is the name. But right. otherwise, it makes no sense for him to fight down. He's in the number two spot, dude. Like, mm. And that, that division tends to get logjammed. So if he loses that two spot, how long until he climbs his way back up? You know what I mean? Like how yeah. long is he going to have to wait? I so for him, it wouldn't make sense. So but... then the only logical name for him would be Co- Covington because he's right. not going to get But that I don't think Covington Usman. wants it though. I don't think Covington no, yeah. would do that fight. I think Covington is is just dead set on a rematch with Usman. So he's kind of holding everything up. It's like mm-hmm. Usman doesn't want to fight Covington because he already fucking beat him. And then Covington's oh, oh, like, oh, I don't oh, want to fight if, anybody except Usman. Well, what if the, the UFC fight and like actually smartened up and it was like okay we're going to do Usman Covington too and then you book Burns against uh, Edwards that, I mean that would that, make on the same, sense on the that same would make card. do it on the same yeah. card yeah. you'd be solidified yeah. there because you got the one uh, you got the champ versus one and then you got two versus three yeah. and then if anything happens and, and with somebody bailing out did an injury in the main event. You just move somebody right on up, yep, pass them up. And you can even tell like Edwards and Burns, the winner of this gets the next shot. They would yeah. do it for that. Even though Burns would be fighting down, he'd be like, look, if I beat this guy and I get a title shot, it's worth it. So I think that that would entice everybody involved and then let uh, uh, Luke Chiesa maybe get a shot. The winner of that, get a shot at Thompson. So that yeah. way Thompson might mm-hmm. have a, an opportunity, you know, get back into the conversation or just get moved out of the conversation entirely, depending on the result. Yeah. I think the the clear thing with this uh, with the Thompson Burns fight that caught me by surprise was everybody knows that Burns likes to go for those do- double leg takedowns and he's very mm-hmm. persistent on it. But at the end of each every time that he did it, what caught me by surprise was he he was even Cormier was like, damn, he needs to go for the single leg takedown because every time mm-hmm. uh, he goes for the double. Uh, with the stance, Thompson leaves himself open for a single leg. Mm-hmm. And I guess he heard him because then you saw him at the end of the first one. Oh, got the single leg. Single and then leg, he took yeah. him down. And it was very uh, easy for him to do that. And he, mm-hmm. he did it. I think he he didn't go for it in the second round. And that's kind of what dictated uh, Thompson uh, in that round. He was able to oh, yeah. use the the switch stance with the karate and then he was able to get his kicks uh, very good. He did get taken down at the end of that round, but I don't think it was enough for him to win it. And I thought Thompson had the round more so, mm-hmm. but then oh, he yeah. got to it in the third, uh, the third, like to me, the third was very close. Like I mm-hmm. thought that I like, I went with the side of caution and said Burns won, but I thought that mm-hmm. there was a good chance that they could have went Thompson because he had those two big shots in the third round. That I thought yeah. there was like that had Burns wobbling, but then he got the takedown, and then I was, and then I was like, they've been scoring this this fight weird. Where I thought that mm-hmm. they, were, they were gonna go with the the takedown really heavy. Like once he got the takedown, it was like, oh, he 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 wins the round mm-hmm. with how the judges been in. And then I saw the scorecard today, and everybody gave uh, Thompson the second well, round, and then yeah. one in three. That's how I had it to yeah. uh, uh, to uh, Burns, but I think mm-hmm. one of the judges was really weird. They did two and three to uh, no one and two to Burns, and then they gave three to Thompson. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? That's I was like, 
I was like, that's weird, but that is strange. Cause like I had it for the first goes to Burns because they were Mm -hmm. feeling each other out. And then Burns just forced that wrestling situation, got the takedown pretty early. And he just stayed in top, top position half guard for like two minutes. Like he, he clearly just won in terms of control time in the wrestling. Like the striking didn't even have enough time to pick up any steam at all. So that was clearly Burns. I gave the second to Thompson because of that lead leg. He was just landing that lead leg almost Mm -hmm. at will. And, and the, it was the opposite problem. Now Burns had no time to build up any steam with the wrestling or the takedowns because Thompson was keeping him at range. The third one was a little closer because Burns went counteroffensive and and Thompson took the initiative and put a lot of pressure on him. And then he had that that slug match halfway through. And then Burns was like, all right, don't want to do that. So then he forced the the takedown and he was in the top side position. I think, and I the think the judges around, were like, you know? I think the judges played that we're gonna go with what we saw last. Right. And what well, I think it was the fact was, that he got yeah. the takedown, he was in control. Yeah. I think that's that's because I mean the slug match, it's tough to say who came out on top of that because they were both just trading. Like as soon as one would hit, the other would retaliate. So it was like maybe Thompson was ahead, but when I say ahead, it's like a one or two punch margin. Like it was so mm-hmm. thin, but that takedown and control time canceled out all the, all the stuff in the front in terms of like, however much value was built here in this first two and a half minutes. It was very, the last two and a half minutes, it was obvious who was in control there. So yeah. I think that was, I think what, the one thing the commentary team got really good was the, the bringing up Raymond Daniels, how he was one of the guys that could mirror Stephen Thompson's uh, stance, and they the style, they made yeah. a point to say the first week Gilbert Burns couldn't get inside Raymond Daniels, and it took the, mm. the second or third week before he actually was able mm. to get inside and go after mm-hmm. him. So uh, that that was really good bringing him in to yeah. kind of mirror the movements of uh, Stephen Thompson because yeah. the, the, that's the only guy that you can think of that would be like, the, the same style. Mm-hmm. And they, he like he's not a big name uh, because he's in Bellator. Uh, well, he he did like three fights in Bellator and he was undefeated. But I think he's now a free agent now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Stephen Thompson is very well known for that kickbox and karate background, and he, he did well. I think it was perfect to actually come in and surprise him with that at the end with that one leg uh, takedown because Stephen mm-hmm. Thompson wasn't expecting that. Right. Right. With that, I mean, with that that's greatest, such a hard yeah. guy to prepare for, too. Like, Stephen Thompson's a very unique guy within the welterweights with that style. Like, he's got the build for it, too. He's got that yeah. long, lanky body, and like mm. that, that front leg just works so well for him. You know what I mean? Like, and that's why Wood, in the Woodley fights, Woodley allowed him to dictate the pace, and then he just yeah. countered back with the big shots mm-hmm. because he was like, I'm not going to be able to dictate my way, but if I let him dictate, I can kind of feel him out and then throw shots at him. And then he yeah. was able to, to lay in some big shots on him uh, mm-hmm. in, in both those fights. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think Burns played a smart game. He was definitely in trouble in some spots, which is why I don't think Stephen Thompson deserves to be completely out of the conversation for yeah. a title shot. No, But I think he'll may it, like I said, it might be smart to give him the winner of Luke Chiesa. Cause then I think he already beat Luke, if I'm not mistaken, he did. So right. if Chiesa wins, that would be something we haven't seen before. Um, but it would be a similar flavor to this. And I don't know. I don't know if Chiesa is as much of a game planner as Burns is. Like Burns is all about the strategy and like he's got his boards and his his like calculations. Yeah. And I don't know if Michael Chiesa is that guy. And that's who you got to be to come up against a guy as technical as Stephen Thompson. So 
I think it's weird. He's like, he's in this limbo spot where he's in the top five, but there's some guys ahead of Steven Thompson who I'm not sure he could beat necessarily like Burns, you know, just played the smarter game plan because Steven Thompson has those holes in his game. And he doesn't seem like he's spent a great deal of time trying to build those, those gaps in, you know, he's like, well, I've got my style and I'm really good at that. So I'm just going to, you know, go all in on that. And it's like, well, you know, you got Leon Edwards, Kobe Covington, Usman, Usman's a great wrestler. He's going to take advantage of those holes for sure. So you got to find a way to compensate Covington. He doesn't do it very often, but he's a good wrestler too. He's a division one NCAA champion, I think. So like, that's a guy who could take advantage of those gaps. Leon Edwards, I think would be an interesting matchup because those, both of those guys like to stand and trade, but they're very kind of different flavors of standing and trading. Um, And I'm not sure. Leon Edwards would be a, a good stylistic matchup for Steven Thompson, because if he can get past that front leg, I think he would put Steven Thompson in some hot water. He'd put him into some positions. He don't want to be in. I'm actually really uh, looking forward to the bottom half of the rankings of the top 15 more so than the top uh, uh, half of it. Like hmm. I'm excited to see how, where they book Bilal Muhammad right there at nine. Like, yeah. For some reason, they've been teasing Neil Magny's next opponent. He's at eight. They they haven't given any. He's just saying end of August uh, hmm. like at that line, and I it would be cool to see Magny against Muhammad. But then, like Jack Deere's coming in with two straight losses. Of course, right. Damian Maya is looking for one fight. They he just, said he wants uh, Diaz and then retirement. Yeah. So we'll see if and, that happens. Uh, we got Kevin Lee fighting Sean Brady. Sean Brady mm-hmm. is at 14. He has that big wrestling background fighting yep. at the gym in Philadelphia. Like he he like he gets like 10 takedowns uh, like a night, it feels like, but he needs to work <laughs> right. on keeping guys down instead of right. just taking them down. But he's gonna be a threat. And then a, a guy that I mentioned earlier that is getting uh Lee Ji Ling at eleven is Kamzat uh, Shamayev, who's come hmm. back after the lengthy uh, recovery from COVID and then injury. He's a guy that was supposed to fight number three ranked Edwards back in March. And then even, I think, October before the COVID. And he's supposed to be like the next big thing to huh. challenge Usman. So I can't wait to see how he does there. If he can dominate Li Ling. I think it's. I think they're going to try and fast track him uh, to fighting Usman because, like you said, mm-hmm. Usman has cleared out that that top ten uh, yeah. in the top half. Like he has some yeah. guys in the bottom half he hasn't fought yet. But if he can keep looking dominating and then dominating Li Ji Ling, it's mm-hmm. going to be hard to not see him get a top five matchup after this. Right. Maybe he gets Wonder Boy. Hmm? We'll see. Yeah, uh-huh. you know it'd be you know it'd be a fun money fight, Jeff Neal and Masvidal. That'd be a fun money mm. fight. <laughs> just watch it, it those would. guys beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> like it sucks that Jeff Neal would, would be coming in on a two-fight losing streak. All right, uh, but then Masvidal did too. Just but lost. Yeah, I, I have a funny feeling that like I don't think it will happen. But if they did, I wouldn't be surprised. Belial Muhammad and Masvidal. I mean, it'd be a it'd be a money fight, I suppose, because Belial Muhammad's I, got more eyes on him now. And know? then I think Muhammad would win that. Yeah, I think he. I think he could just outgas tank uh, yeah. Masvidal. Plus, we've seen what happens when he's forced into a clinch situation and he can't control it. Yeah. That's how Usman won the first time. So I assume yeah. Bilal would just do the same thing. 
Yeah. But uh, let's transition from this. Let's move on to, of course, the trilogy uh, fight, the oh, main boy. event evening. <laughs> uh, a lot to say about this one. Yep. But we had a lightweight <laughs> matchup, uh, which saw Dustin Poirier defeat Conor McGregor by KO Dr. Stoppage. I put that in there. I had to put it in there. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Poirier uh, <sighs> moves to 23 and 6, and Conor McGregor falls to 22 and 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll start with you, Miles. Man, this was this was an exciting fight. It was it was exactly what we were hoping for, but it was such an anticlimactic ending. It was disappointing, mm. you know, the way it went down. Because like you had you had McGregor coming out and he looked good. He didn't look like McGregor from the from the second fight. This looked like more of a McGregor of old, you know? Like this was the guy who was lighter on his feet, mixing it up, getting in there and getting getting dirty with the striking, you know? Um Poirier was investing early on the leg kicks. There was some some crazy heavy exchanges in the stand-up. But uh, uh, Poirier was able to uh, uh, kind of pull ahead because of his kicking and stuff. Um, that, I think, forced a wrestling situation with McGregor. Very rare what saw him pull a guillotine attempt. like, And he almost got it, too. Like It was yeah. in there. That was solid. I was like, what the fuck? We almost never see McGregor go for submission attempts. I think he has like one in his pro career. So that was exciting. Uh, and, uh, you know, the trading back and forth. Uh, and I mean, even on the ground, first of all, you can tell McGregor has been working some on his ground game, but not, not a lot because he was accepting the bottom position, but he was still firing elbows from the bottom. He was, mm. he was still in that fight. You know, he was still trying to fuck Poirier up even from his back which was super exciting to watch. But of course, I think between the the exchanges where I think Poirier was a little bit ahead and the control time from the top position in the grappling, Poirier got the round, no question. But that fucking ankle break, though, goddamn. And that's the thing. It wasn't even like the Anderson Silva, Chris Wademan leg breaks. It was something he did to himself. Mm-hmm. And I know that that Poirier is like, oh, I fractured his shin, but you didn't fracture shit. First of all, that's not how that works. Like the, the type of fracture that McGregor would have had to have for that to be what happened. It would have had to be a green stick fracture. That would have stopped the fight right fucking there. Like there's no way. So I like how he pointed at him as it happened. He's like, yeah. I think he like saw that. it. Yeah, yeah, I think he. I think he watched it in real time. Go, oh fuck, what? <laughs> but, but man, it's it's just like one of those things where that's why technique is so fucking important. And I know McGregor is just like a natural born fighter. He's got a ton of athleticism, and for a, a long time in his career, when he was dominating, he would brag how he was like so untrained and so unrefined. But that's why it matters. That right fucking there. Like you broke your own fucking ankle because your footwork is shit. Mm. So, I mean, he just stepped and he, he put the weight on the wrong angle at the wrong time and just sank into it and, and popped his. It looked like what happened. He popped the ball and socket joint just, just like just like yeah. that right out and, and fucked his ankle up real good. So that was a really anticlimactic ending, especially because he made it to the end of the round. We're like, oh, yes. we're going to get a second. And then they were like, nope just kidding it's like fuck bro the, the so leg break upsetting. was like at like five seconds and he was on yeah. the ground like you see it right. and he fall yeah. and then poor he went just try, uh, hit him and he hit him yeah. but then it, the, the bell rang well it was because of that that stand-up exchange it looked like it might have been something poirier did like maybe he rocked him or something and he lost his footing and i nah. think that's why the ref didn't catch it and yeah. then he let it keep going to to you know the 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 ground and pound Poirier had because and they were like it was oh, actually be good. it was McGregor coming in 
And then when he stepped back from missing the, the strike, yeah. that's when he stepped wrong. And this mm. wasn't and, Poirier yeah. returning a punch when he was stepping back. I think, I think, yeah, he was. Cause yeah. he missed. I think that's then why Poirier the, was, the, the ref missed. Uh, yeah. He missed Poirier then followed with one he, yeah. and then he stepped he back stepped and then boom, it, yeah. it breaks it. And then they yeah. called it. And then, then you see that. Call for Dr. Stoppage. Call for Dr. Stoppage. <laughs> he was like pointing at it. He was like, yes. what is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> and then he got it. I was like, oh shit, he got it. I was like, okay. I remember, like, we were in we were in Wolfie's watching that. And and people were just like, why is he still sitting there? And he was like pointing. And then the camera goes down. And you see the echo go. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> we replayed that like five times. So, yeah. like, see, here's yeah. the, from this angle in slow motion. So you can watch yeah. the foot like. Uh, under, like, <laughs> uh, did you see did you see sean o'malley's tweet about it oh no i didn't see mm. it. He, 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 he said connor's trying he's trying to be like sugar sean o'malley because uh -huh. he got carried out on the stretcher like he did he's like he's trying to imitate <laughs> me That's i heard funny. um i heard jake paul was talking shit about mcgregor after that i don't know what he said but I think he was part of the course he offered uh some pin it was like yeah. mcgregor laying there and he was yeah. offering it to dustin Poirier. he said you want oh one god. of these and Poirier's like yeah send it over whatever my god but um uh. aside but i hope would we knock that guy's ass out but anyway um, <laughs> i know right please <laughs> do us a favor but uh, oh, fuck. uh yeah yeah very anticlimactic right i mean i definitely i thought connor really mixed up his offense really good in the beginning of this and then he got himself in a bad position but i don't think he was like Okay, not counting obviously what was going to happen to his ankle. I didn't think he was really that hurt or anything. Mm -hmm. Like if we had gone round two, it would have been very interesting. There was something though. Um, Connor's coach had pointed out actually after mm -hmm. the fight, um, where he actually they said he might have hurt his ankle. Like not he didn't break it, but mm -hmm. what might have caused the problem was the way he was throwing his kicks. He was mm -hmm. throwing it like straight up, and when he did this, uh, poor. I don't know if he did it on purpose or it was one of those things. But his elbow and the, so Connor's shin and everything like went right into Poirier's elbow. Yeah, and they're saying that could have caused it to weaken a little bit. And then of course when he steps wrong, and everything snaps. But yeah, technique super important. Um, yeah, I probably I think we got to stop interviewing these guys when they're hurt and they're laying down. <laughs> it's not a good look, which is my opinion. He was uh, trying to scoot away. Yeah, like I was like, what oh, the fuck? Funny. Yeah, like I, I enjoy Connor a lot of times talking trash, but talking trash when you're out there laying on the ground is just not a good look. It's like, <laughs> ah, this is kind of sad. Maybe we should just move on. And uh, I, I hate watching him trying to uh, defend the, the the leg kick where he tries to put his hand down yeah. and grab the thing because the thing I was trying to get to with people was he had ACL surgery a couple years ago, and that definitely affected how he. Uh, I think that was right before the was it before or after the Mayweather fight, but was, then he started to uh, rely too heavy on the boxing, and then he kind of mm -hmm. got away from that karate style that he was known for using the distance. And he he actually started to use it a little bit in the beginning of this, and he and then he was using the kicks a lot, which I was like, okay, a little bit of vintage McGregor. But then he kind of got away from that, and then I thought I thought it was kind of uh, he made the wrong move going for that guillotine because he kind of like when he did it, if he wasn't going to get it, he was going to give his back up and then it was going to be, okay, he's going to get taken to the ground 
And unless he's near the cage, it's going to be hard for him to get back up for that, which wound up happening. Mm -hmm. He did wind up getting back up, and then he started to uh, trade a little bit. But then that's when the 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 break happened right there. And I gave it. I think it was like I kind of gave it sixty forty Poirier because I Mm -hmm. I gave the first couple minutes to uh, Book Gregor, but then once the the guillotine happened. The rest of it was Poirier mm-hmm. because I think Poirier was definitely getting hurt by those leg kicks mm-hmm. to the side of him. You could tell that he was red there, and oh, that's yeah. when he kind of changed up game plans. And then I think if they would have went to round two, uh, it would have been interesting to see Mc- uh, how McGregor would have switched things up. And, and if he would have uh, went back to the leg kicks and if he would have kept on attacking that side or if he would have – try to like slow things down but then of course what happened was he broke his leg and the fight stopped so now they're talking uh at the end of the fight they actually went to the post fight and they interviewed Oliver. charles Oliver was there yeah. and then mm-hmm. yeah. if you look at him now it's, it's like damn this is a new guy now because he, he's looking right. like he's rich now like right. you see what he was dressed in <laughs> Like he yeah. had like the, the the tips in his highlights in his hair, yeah. where it was only partly highlighted. He had sunglasses on. Championship money. Yeah, right, yeah. He, he had That's the sunglasses. The he had the sunglasses on like he's outside in the middle he of the Connor day. To win, by the way, just spoiler. If you didn't, yeah. Know, like he, yeah. he, he was like, ah, shit. And then they're God like, and then they they asked him. Uh, of course, he had the translator. Like now it looks like it's going to be you versus Poirier. They're like, mm-hmm. who do you think is going to win? And then how do you think it's going to end up? He was like, if I train well, and then he trains well, this is going to be a very high entertaining fight. But I, mm-hmm. I of course, am going to retain. Mm-hmm. And it's like, my, my question for you guys is now looking at it now, it looks like it's going to be Oliveira versus Poirier for the title. Yeah. What's your early prediction? Uh, that's a toss up, man. I mean, they're both really good. And, if you look at the Alvera Chandler fight, it was so back and forth. Um, and it's kind of like one of those things where if you look at Chandler, take a common opponent in Dan Hooker, Poirier and Hooker had that war last mm. year at one point, and Chandler just caught him. So, but yeah, and then you can just catch somebody sometimes. That happens. Yep. So I think um I don't know. I'm I'm leaning. Maybe just because I want it, though. I like Poirier. The guy's been at this for so long. I'm kind of <laughs> But I feel like Poirier's career is kind of, like, mapped out at this point, by the way. Like, win or lose, I feel like after that, he's fighting McGregor. And then he's probably going to retire, win or lose that fight. Like, he's going like, yeah. to, like, he's going to win or lose the belt. And then he's going to make some money um, with McGregor one more time, I think. I mean, a lot of it will depend mm-hmm. on Connor's injury when he heals. But yeah, Dustin yeah. has said that, like, he doesn't even really enjoy fighting anymore. He's doing yeah. this because he's good at it and he wants to uh, make money, make some money. Yeah. For his, <laughs> you know, put his kid through college. So I feel like yeah. you got your world title fight and then you got the Connor fight laying in the back. Maybe he gets a Diaz fight possibly if Nate wants to go I, down the light or something, but we'll see. But like, I don't know because I, they were talking, Dana White was saying, of course they want to do a McGregor Poirier four which mm-hmm. I don't like that idea at all. Either, and, but... and here's why, because I think Poirier's already demonstrated he cares more about the money than he does about the title. So if it's between him going against Oliver or waiting around for Conor McGregor to heal and then doing the fourth matchup, I think he'll do the fourth matchup every time. And we've already got a fucking logjam in that division because, first of all, you got Dariush, who took the number four spot from uh, Ferguson and then was like, I'm taking the year off. That's like, fucker, what? 
<laughs> so back of the line, bitch. The only two people who are free and like hungry to fight right now who are in the conversation for a title match are Chandler and Gaethje, which that's probably a good matchup to do right sure. there. Figure out who the winner is, then you know, give that I was gonna uh, say, second Gaethje, spot. Gaethje after... hasn't fought since losing losing to Habib because when there's he retired, nobody yeah. else. There's nobody else who wants to fight. That's the thing. It's so then, fucking long jam. And then he, <laughs> I, well, Gaethje's kind of pulling the Kobe Covington uh, card. Like, yeah. I'm waiting. Like, I'm, he wants I'm the there. Title no, shot, right. I, I want that title shot. Like, and then he's just waiting. Yeah. And then he's like. Everybody I think around do it against Chandler because Chandler was the last guy to get title shot. So like that's the natural progression. You beat the last guy who and got a Chandler shot. It's just, your turn now. Yeah, Chandler just came out and said he's going to be fighting in December. Mm -hmm. It's just that they don't have an opponent yet for him. So exactly. could it be that that'd be perfect time Darius for him? Fucked the whole thing up when he said I'm yeah. taking the year off. That would have been the matchup. But he's yes. like, fuck y'all, I'm going to go home. It was but, like, but then okay, but then, bitch. But then they they also said they also asked Darius and he was like. Oh, if I was given a title shot and they well, offered sure. me it now, of I'd course. come in, of course, and fight. <laughs> right. So, but otherwise, he doesn't give a fuck, and that's right. kind of the problem is that it's causing this this big logjam. And then you put McGregor, okay, take him out for a second. Next year, put him back in. We're probably still going to be in this fucking logjam, and that's just going to make things worse because now Poirier will be less interested in doing a matchup for the title, and yeah. he'll just want the, the McGregor money fight yes. again. I think a better place for McGregor is move him down to featherweight again. He's got the body for it. There's a lot more people there who will stand and trade with him because in this division, there are more and more people that have solid grappling backgrounds that McGregor is just completely poorly matched up against. He's would not do well against a lot of these like Dariush, Chandler, Ferguson, uh, even guys coming up like Makachev and, and uh, Gillespie. Fuck I, think they book him, I think they book him against oh, Ferguson. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but like, what's the, even the point? <laughs> if he wins, both, then where does he go? Both guys are washed up and uh, looking for a win. So you, it's it's basically whoever wins gets that second chance, second, third chance, and the loser basically is like, okay, I'm done. But like, what if you move him down to Featherweight, give him a fight with Max Holloway since he's waiting around for the result of Ortega and uh, uh, Volkanovski? He, he was supposed to fight Rodriguez and then he got hurt. Then Rodriguez, yeah. Was, and now so he's free and, now. And, well, now I think they're looking to rebook that uh, fight with Rodriguez uh, once uh, Holloway is ready for the fight. <laughs> you know a guy that he would match up well with who's like that Bantam weight right now, though? But it's Jose Aldo. Like <laughs> Aldo would cool. want that fight. Aldo would yeah. want that fight back. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't. McGregor. I think give it. Yeah. I guess McGregor. And I just think it's a chance well, for McGregor yeah. to get some ring that's, time. That's the fight that knocked him off the elite sure. status, yeah. and then he stopped yeah. throwing those leg kicks that he was killing people with, mm -hmm. and he just turned into a different fighter. Then, like he used to, like yeah. just kill people throwing yeah. those wicked fast uh, kicks that were just hurting. And then all of a sudden he gets knocked out by McGregor. It might be by just surprise and that mm -hmm. lines up that way. But after that fight, he stopped throwing those a lot. And then he started focusing more on the striking. Yeah. And it's it like, fucked with him mentally, you know, yeah. it just, it just put him off his game. Yeah. Then Somebody he, was, was bringing up this great point about inactivity, uh, but they were drawing like an example. Like if you go back to 2016, when McGregor had won the lightweight title as well, yeah. Like, Poirier lost to Michael Johnson that year. Got knocked out by, like, Michael Johnson. But McGregor ends up having to box and match, takes a bunch of time off, doesn't have a lot of fights. And Poirier is a guy that he got into a lot of wars. He had the wars with Alvarez. Yeah. And, he just, you know, and, he, and, and, and MMA is funny, right? Because if you're not at that point where your, your chin gets washed or you've taken too much damage, 
then you are improving a lot of times with that yeah. time. But then yeah. there's that fine line, right, where you've been in too many wars. And that's the thing with Poirier, too. Like, he's been in so many wars that I kind of wait for that to happen, too. Like, I don't know if that's going right. to happen the next fight. Like, I always wonder with him, because like, he's, right. he's had a lot of battles. Yeah, I, I think is going into this title p- potential title shot if he takes it or if he waits around. If he goes up against Oliveira, Oliveira's been improving dramatically. Yeah, hands like holy yeah. shit, that was that was nuts the way he knocked out Chandler. Nobody saw that coming. No. but on top of that, he's getting more dangerous in the hands. He's already lethal as fuck on the floor. Right, and I think, elite, elite. I status. mean, yeah. exactly. Like I, I think if this fight happens, I think Olivier knows enough now to hold his own. He can't go to war the way like Hooker did with Poirier. I don't think he's he's there yeah. yet. But I think he knows enough to like problem solve on the feet, take it down to the ground where he's got all the experience in the world and put Poirier in positions that he just can't. There's no there's no amount of training Poirier can do to catch up to Olivier's ground game. There's it's just not possible. The gap is too wide and I think that's where Olivier will probably win that fight. Yeah, it's definitely uh, uh, the, the the matchup that I like with Oliver. It's just if he gets uh, Poirier down, which is very easily possible because I've seen holes in Poirier's mm-hmm. game. Yeah, I think it's like just it's not night for uh, Poirier because all I also like Oliver is kind of long too he is for like, the division. He like, he's long, yeah, yeah long mm-hmm. and lanky, and it boosts in his favor because of his mm-hmm. grappling style. Yeah, and then he just has to avoid those big shots from Poirier, but Poirier mm-hmm. s- puts himself into positions uh, yeah. to uh, to to uh, bad positions because it gives him better shots at hitting the opponent. Right. But yeah, he's not a he's not a grappling conscious yeah. striker. He's yeah, just a striking. All there's the guy that's like, okay, he's gonna do that. I'm gonna yeah. wait for him to do that move, and then get him and grapple him oh, and yeah. get him down, and then that's where I can lock whatever submission I can on him, or mm-hmm. just apply the the ground game on him because it, it, like he's improved on the game, like you said. Like he started out in the UFC not good, and he was close to getting cut, and but and then since then. Like we've said, 2020 into 2021 has been the year of the comebacks in mm-hmm. every every division. If somebody winning the title after having to <laughs> to improve themselves. Yeah. Well, I he, mean, to be fair, he I think was is tied currently, or he's one fight mm-hmm. ahead of Donald Cerrone's record for overall number of wins in division. Yeah. I think he's very quickly approaching that same record for Donald Cerrone and and overall career wins. So I mean. The guy has been working real fucking hard, and and Easy. I think the 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 commentating said it the best. Like he's been quietly rewriting the history books because he's not the guy who has big flashy finishes, but he is the guy who gets the job done. Yeah, I mean he started off as a uh, featherweight too, and I think he had issues with weight early in his career. Yeah, and um, but he was always good even then. He was dangerous, but then mm-hmm. uh, when he went to lightweight, maybe not right in the beginning, but he was definitely, you could see a different fighter and he's just been, again, one of those guys constantly improving and evolving. 31 like, and eight career fights. That's his career yeah. record. 31 and eight. That's nuts. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it now, like from his like first loss in uh, 2010, mm-hmm. when he, uh, when he was 14 and now, like he, he lost to guys like Jim Miller, Don Cerrone, sure. Cub mm-hmm. Swanson, Frankie Edgar, mm-hmm. Max Holloway, Anthony uh, Pettis, Ricardo Lamez and Paul Felder was the last one he lost to. Yeah. But then in that same time, he has beaten uh, Jeremy Stevens, Nick Lance, Miles Drury, who's in Belter now, Clay Glida, Jim Moore, he revenged that. 
he, he beat Nick Lance again. Jared Gordon, who was looking good up until he beat him. Kevin Lee, Tony Ferguson, and Michael Chandler. So he's had a lot of uh, good fights that he's had over the over the years that's mm-hmm. been able to mold him to, into the guy that he is now. And then moving up to lightweight has helped out a lot because he's not fighting those quick, smaller guys that can just move around and beat him with volume. He's a great example of like MMA for boxing. Like he learned from his fights. He didn't yeah. get, you know, like he didn't have like the best record early on. Like he did lose some of those fights, but he kept getting better and better. And because MMA and like boxing, you're not going to just be like, you know, considered washed up because you have two or three losses. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he just kept improving and getting better. And look where he is now. The champ. So. And look at Glover Teixeira. He's 43 and he's getting a title shot now. So that's wild. That's, right? that's another fucking that's wild, wild there. Yeah. <laughs> Like I yeah. thought for sure Glover was on his way out a few years ago. Like he was I, I, I do too. He he had that bad knockout that he got beat mm-hmm. with, and then he's been. Everybody was like, "Okay, he's done." But then since then, he's been able to. Uh, I remember his fight with Anthony Smith because Smith was coming off a couple like performances, and I'm like, "All right, he's probably going to finish Glover because going no, it was quite the opposite. Like Glover like hurt and knocked his teeth out. Like <laughs> I was then, like, what yeah. the fuck, yeah." Oh. I mean, to be fair, regardless of who wins that matchup, I think, you know, even if Glover wins, he's still got to go through Yuri Prochaska, and I don't think he'll survive that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I don't think he'll make it out of that one. <laughs> the, even that, and then it's even their rackage. Yeah, rackage which, is pretty which, solid. Yeah. Which they that had, that he won, but not in spectacular fashion against uh, Santos, but then the, he, was, he was there at number two, mm-hmm. and they were like, okay, we're gonna go Yuri Prokaska anyway. Like that's a they, fucking monster. They, they have to <laughs> like I. They have to put book rackage against Prokaska. That that has Oof. to happen. Yeah, that'd be, that'd a, be a, 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 a the big time fight there. Even at Oof. the two three spot, I I'd be like that's main event style right Light, there. Just, oh yeah. Just Light like we finally got, just like we've been uh, like saying for weeks mm. now. Me and you, they're, we're like okay, they got to do Giga Chikatsuke and uh, they're uh, doing and it. Bar- they're doing it. We're like we got to see so the battle exciting. of the <laughs> It's and, so exciting. And last week uh, when they announced that, like I like I think I almost flipped my laptop over like yeah. in excitement. And I was It'll like, be dope. When is that uh, fight anyway? It's the uh, the main event of I think August twenty fourth. Hell yeah. That that they gave it the main event spot. It's the same card as Brady and Lee, Sean Brady okay. and Kevin Lee. But I'm okay. like, damn! I was like, you got a main event where it's the not ranked number nine guy against number ten, and they throw yeah. just together they throw over a hundred leg kicks. I'm like, uh, the, they had to do like a prop bet over <laughs> under the whole fight, and then just go with seventy five. Right. Just I mean, that. even then, you still that. got you still got like the Giga kick that could end it super early. You know, if he just lands that liver shot, man, uh, like, <laughs> those guys are gonna fucking bang. That's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be good. And then Barbosa added that striking. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I'm still picturing that shot to Burgos where he's he goes to move up and then he just goes. Yeah, that, like, that slow knockout. Yeah, because <laughs> like, like his body's there, but his <laughs> his mental game was like always well, his gone. Feet was, gave out from under yeah. him like immediately. <laughs> it mm. was like in slow motion. He was trying to get. It's like he had that. It's like he had that. It's like he had that out of body experience where he's <laughs> like his body's there, but like his like soul was like behind him, <laughs> just like pulling him back. Like no, I was gonna say it was still you're in the done. fight, but the body was like falling off. Right. Yes. <laughs> and then he just had that yeah. weird like reaction. It was like, oh yeah. my god. 
and, oh, and it was crazy. Uh, but the, uh, I, I'm excited for that. That's like uh, that shouldn't be the most anticipated, but it is for me. Just but we also I, got San Hagen Dillashaw coming up. Not this week, really good. Next week. That's gonna be yeah. a banger. That's gonna it, be a banger. It, dude. It, I was That's, just talking about this with somebody because like you don't know what to expect with TJ because of the layoff. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't count his like flyweight fight with Cejudo because he looked like a ghost going into that fight. <laughs> but like, if this is the TJ of old, like that we've seen in the past against um, uh, Cody and other yeah. you know fighters, like that's gonna be a Dominic great Cruz. fight. Yeah, yeah, Dominic Cruz. Yeah, I mean, like mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see this because Sanhagen's been super impressive in his last couple performances. That, um, knee, that jumping knee victory yeah. over Edgar. <laughs> yeah, Edgar, and then um, even before that, right? Uh, did he hit somebody else with that? Um, was it Moraes? I don't remember now. But, and Moraes, uh, he, he beat yeah. Moraes with a with a nice strike because yeah. that was the, his first fight after losing to Sterling by. Uh, right. Submission. submission yeah yeah so he's had a couple back-to-back really quick first round finishes going against tj and like what version like we don't know what we'll, we'll see with tj but if it's a yeah, tj right. of old it's super exciting mm-hmm. um i hope it's a tj of old just because it'd be great to have somebody <laughs> like because mm-hmm. i think jan is just going to be like uh, no offense to Sterling, i like sterling but like, yeah I, yeah you know he's gonna Jan, lose right Jan was gonna <laughs> fight. so yeah, at least to see that the tj I jump of ship, old so Right, the TJ of old <laughs> could come back. You'd have something exciting, maybe in potential right. in that fight. I still think Jan is the guy, no matter what. I have to see something otherwise, yeah. but right, yeah. the, the TJ of old would be a fun matchup. So we'll see. Oh yeah, yeah. Like like me and Miles talked about it. Like I, <laughs> I was on Sterling going that. I've, I've since then jumped ship. Oh, sure. I swam like across sea, and now like I, I, I am big on Jan. But like we had this conversation a couple weeks ago. Well, I'm on the I'm on the Rob Font bandwagon. Now. I love Rob Font. <laughs> and he's he's gonna be waiting, of course. I, mm-hmm. I feel like it could be a situation where maybe you got him fighting the winner of Dill Shar San Hagen. Because, uh, because yeah. uh, Jan and Sterling's gonna be in October. Did so. O'Malley mention Rob Font? Which I was like, that was a bad idea he, if he did. He named him sort of because he was talking about Cody because he lost ah, Cody okay. lost to Font. Yeah, and yeah. then he challenged, and then O'Malley was like, "I'll fight you, Cody." And then Cody was like, "Yeah, you're not on my level yet. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, go to somebody else." Mm. And then, and then Cody's actually moving to flyweight. Uh, he's really. I, I think he's fighting huh. Kai Car France. That's, That'll be interesting. Okay, yeah. uh, I, th- I think that's the name that, uh, that's being floated around. And then he he mentioned it, and then Kai Car France oh. had a response back on Twitter. So. Uh, he's going to be moving to a different division. Uh, well, I mean, if he can get a couple like, wins, I mean, he's going to be because of his name. They might want to push yeah. him in a title match with Brandon Morano, which that'd be great cool. for Brandon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah it, it'll be it'll, it'll be interesting. But yeah, like you're going to have guys that are waiting. Uh, what if they trade Figueredo for Garbrandt? Just. <laughs> Flip off yeah. those guys, you know what I mean? That'd be cool, Ooh. Yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> it, it's like we said before. Imagine Figueredo. Not having the cut weight and then fighting yeah. Peter Yan. Hell yeah. yeah. That'd be a fucking war, be man. Bond yeah, right. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because yeah. uh, Figueredo has that like ace in his sleeve with the with that guillotine that he just easily locks in on everybody and then everybody mm-hmm. just like taps out to it. It's like mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you, like you got the better striking. I'm just gonna see the guy that rides like water buffaloes too, and I see something I'm doing. Some shit like time. that. Yeah. <laughs> But, but like, Figueredo, he's a crazy dude, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Figueredo was struggling the game, like to make weight 
at that yeah. division. Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. he had to cut like 30 pounds and it's like, yeah. and then he was that. like struggling every fight, but then he was still knocking guys out. And, yeah. It, yeah. and then I mean, even the shots he was in Brandon would like, Brandon's got an iron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like super impressive. But uh, imagine, imagine him when he doesn't have to cut that weight and he's mm-hmm. in better conditioning. Yeah. Sure. I think he's probably more of a natural bantamweight anyway. Like yes. that would just that would just be a better fit for him, you know. But like, just have him enter in and give him the the winner of Aldo Munoz. Oh, that'd be a fucking. Oh, war, oh, man. oh, 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 oh I can do this all favor. Have Peter Yan knock out Sterling, and then you feed Sterling to Figueredo and have him cool knock too. him out, yeah. and then you just <laughs> clear him out, and then be yeah. like, okay, that we're done cool with too. you. So fun story. Uh, I uh, my ex wife's brother in law. He fought yeah. uh, a couple fights. Thane Stimson, he was out of uh, uh, Alpha Male. Okay. One of the guys he lost to early in his career, he decided he wasn't going to fight anymore. He just, like, you know, his family. And I always wondered if he would have rethought this. Rob Font, early in his career. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no like, shit. man, did you know that guy was going to be, like, one of the top <laughs> UFC? Because maybe you could have kept going. Now, right? right, yeah. I mean, he probably thought, ah, oh, fuck, I got finished by some no-name guy. <laughs> I might as well just give up. And then it's, like, later on, you're watching, like, Hey, this guy's pretty good. I should have kept this going, you know. What, I think like the same name? guys who lost to uh, Thane, T H A N E. Oh, there it is. Yeah, there oh yeah. Is. Uh, Was Rob that Font's... like second fight? It's in reality fighting June second, two thousand twelve, in Connecticut. Oh, yeah, it, it was his featherweight. <laughs> it was his featherweight debut. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he beat Stinson by uh, first round knockout. Yep. Yeah, and I always thought, oh, man, shit. like. You probably took that loss a little harder than you had to. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> because the story on Font, I remember reading an article about him too, was that uh, yeah. he was delivering pizzas and he uh, was some, I don't know if he was in Florida. I know he's a Massachusetts guy, but yeah. wherever he was at the time, and he saw people practicing MMA like in his garage. And he's like, what are you guys doing? And he thought it was cool. So he ended up like <laughs> joining a gym. And I was like, right. so yeah, I imagine back in those early days, if you heard the stories about him too, like there's no way this guy's going to yeah. be good. <laughs> He was. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, that, that's that's funny. crazy, though. <laughs> yeah, he was two and one at the time, and now Rob Font is nineteen and four. So sure, yeah, so. done <laughs> <been> well. <laughs> hey, uh, it's crazy. Imagine that extra ten years Stinson would have had if he would have kept going. I don't know. Yeah, I never asked him. <laughs> I saw him at a few family again, ex-wife. So I saw him at a few uh, family functions, and he was a cool guy. But I was like. I didn't want to bring it up. I wasn't that close. But it's like, hey, think you could have kept going? I don't know. <laughs> oh, shit. I always there... thought it was cool. They didn't have the right attitude, I thought. They yeah. were always like, oh, yeah, we don't really like Rob Font. I'm like, why? Like, that's cool. Like, you lost to the guy who, like, he's really good. You didn't lose to yeah. some, you know? Like, yeah. And then you lost to him when he was on the way up. Now he's yeah. developed a lot and he's mm-hmm. turned into like a lot better fighter. Like he's sure. a guy that just came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Did, like he, if you think of a guy in like the top three, you're like Rob Font. Where did he come from? Like, yeah. I, I always like, had my eye on him, but yeah. that was because I had the inside story. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I was like oh, that, I, I, and then, yeah. that, and then he's from Boston, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. so it's right I, there in your area. So like, I, yeah. I went to the, um, I think mm-hmm. it was the Cruz Dillashaw fight that was up there. I think Font was on oh. that card, and he was. Impressive, yeah. He's been impressive in a lot of things, but he's definitely been a constantly a guy who's improving. Like I didn't know he was going to get this far because his last couple performances, I'm like, whoa, okay, he's getting better too. <laughs> oh, was that yeah. was that the the Almeida fight in Boston, Massachusetts? It might have been. It was under the Dillashaw Cruz card, I believe. Though. Uh, yeah. So, 
Because okay. I've only been to Boston for two shows. It was Dillashaw Cruz, and the other one he was fought, Connor he fought, he, Okay, he fought when Cormier fought Vulcan and Milchit, and then Stipe fought Naganu. Okay. If that was in Boston at TD. And then, other than that, uh, Rob fought. Oh, he fought Joey Gomez in 2016, and that's the only two fights in in your area. And so, in that 2016, who was the headline of that card? Uh, it was where is it? Oh, yep, that that the is that's Cruz? It, yeah, that's yeah. that's what it is. Dillashaw and Cruz, and then Rob Font was the second fight on the whole card in the yep. prelim. <laughs> and uh, holy shit, looking at some of these names, Paul Felder was on the prelim. Oh yeah, oh, wow. Uh, oh. Yeah. And then, wow, Travis Brown, Matt Mitrione, Eddie that Alvarez. That is the fight where Mitrione's eye, look at yeah. you, like a third eye. <laughs> and I then had, like, the co-main event, co event was Eddie Alvarez and Anthony Pettis. Yep. Nice. That, that's crazy. They have Felder and Font on the prelims. And now, uh, and now uh, Felder is retired. Mm -hmm. And then Fonts, uh, basically, he, he's a main card guy now. Yep, that's that's crazy. I was looking at stuff like a year ago, where I was watching like a big time fight, and I'm like, damn, the very first fight on the card was like Kai Car France against Davison Figueredo or something mm -hmm. like that. It was something <laughs> crazy, and you're like, right. these are guys that are top five in the division now, and they were like the very first fight, the opener yeah. on the whole card, Jeez. going on very early. It's like. <laughs> Oh, you look man. at guys now that have made the transition. Right. Well, I guess it just shows you how light the divisions were back then. You know what I mean? Like those guys could just shoot right up. And at that time, the the those early prelims were on Facebook. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be like, so it'd be like, oh, I'm not watching that fight. It's on Facebook. It's going to take too long to watch, and then you got to transition. Now, now they got the whole prelim on ESPN Plus now or Jeez. ESPN, That's where it funny. makes it a lot easier now. Yeah. Uh, which is oh. which is good, but do you got any uh, final thoughts before we get ready to wrap up? Ah, great card! I was super excited, very entertaining. Um, I can't wait to. Uh, I think just you brought it up. I'm, I'm just the next fight. I'm actually really looking forward to is that Dillashaw Sandhagen fight. I yeah. want to see what we get there. So, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not sleeping on uh, uh, Makachev uh, Moises either. That's going to be a good one. I always yeah. like watching Makachev fight. I'm puzzled why he's fighting down so far like th this guy's been on a winning streak he should be fighting up yeah. but at the very least give him like a gregor gillespie that'd be a cool fight but mm. for some reason he's fighting down significantly i think we'll probably see another makachev win uh guy's on fire right now and he's gonna he's gonna be a real problem for this division it, but it was very be a good one because when they booked it uh, moses wasn't even in the top 15 they yeah. book it and then the next week you see moses <laughs> debut at 15 there so it was like them being like okay if he was on the rankings let's move him to 15 to give him people to be like okay that's why he's in the rankings now yeah. they just moved him on up quietly with no one worrying knowing Ugh. and it's like like you said this is a guy that i think is going to challenge for the title soon because he he's a habib protege and then ever yep. since uh, ever since it's kind of funny how he moves into that top 10 once Habib retires right. and because yeah. you, you knew they don't want to have Habib going up against, against his uh, protege. And it was right. kind of funny. They showed a video of them like wrestling last week. And of course, Habib is just miles ahead of everybody. But they're like, mm -hmm. Habib was like, yeah, I'm better than him. But now that I'm not in the division, 
uh, like he's going to take over now because mm-hmm. even though I'm better than him, he's mm-hmm. the light spears, light years ahead of everybody in that division wrestling style. So, right. I mean, in- what's the old saying? The uh, the only person who can hope to beat the master is the student. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? so, so it's going to be interesting to see how they how they book him after this because I think it's going to be him by decision. I, I think he he will yeah. struggle on the feet. I think I think there's points where I think mm-hmm. Moses can get him but i think that's where he's going to just refute to the okay i'm going to pressure him forward take him down and just mm-hmm. be content kind of doing what he did against dober i just yeah. don't think he's going to get the submission yeah. i think he'll get the uh he'll get the unanimous decision where he dominates on mm-hmm. on the ground and then just throws punches here and there and mm-hmm. then just tires moses out but yeah. uh I think he's got that in the bag, uh, but I want to see him moving forward. Of course, Barbosa Chikotsky is going to be fun. And then, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and then I, I want to see uh, in September, not September in October, they got a few, few good fights, but I just want to see how Shamayev uh, uh, does in his mm-hmm. return against Lee Ji Ling, mm-hmm. who is at 11. He's no slouch in his last fight. I think he knocked out uh, Ponzinibbio who had that, Big time fight against Baeza. Bi- mm-hmm. So if I could see a dominant uh, performance by uh, Shamayev there, uh, yeah. like the sky's the limit for him. <coughs> yeah. that's, I, one, that's one guy who hasn't, uh, uh, who Usman hasn't fought yet that I think would match up well against Usman. And he was going yeah. back and forth at the time from welterweight and middleweight in a lot of his fights. I mean, he took mm-hmm. a few short notice middleweight fights until. Oh yeah, he, he won the fight uh, on uh, Fight Island. Then mm-hmm. he came back yeah. a week later and uh, I think knocked out his opponent. He oh. had a lot of hype going with him at the time. Uh, unfortunately, you know, COVID kind of slowed yeah. that down. And so it's kind of funny. Yeah. It's kind of funny because now his next fight is October 24th and it's going to be in Fight Island again. so like his past three fights are going to be over there in abu dhabi Mm -hmm. so it's like like it's going to be interesting to see when he fights somewhere else because basically all of his fights have been on fight island (laughs) during the pandemic right which i know a lot of right i know a lot (laughs) of people are are kind of sleeping on this one on the on the makachev and uh, uh moises card but um Misha Tate making her return. She's, oh, uh, coming out yep. of retirement. She's All the right. co-main. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how that goes. I don't know if, uh, you know, after such a long retirement, how she'll do, but it'll be a good fight. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah if that will. And uh, like, I, I just started doing my notes for the cards. And ironically, <laughs> there's only five fights and not six on the main card. So mm-hmm. usually it's... these fights have six, but they only have five right now. So did you, uh, I see the. I don't know why you reminded me when you said Tate, but her rivalry with Ronda, obviously. But Ronda <laughs> had a tweet out today. I guess it was in reference to the Connor stuff. Yeah, she said, that, if you, yeah. "Yeah, if you guys want sportsmanship, watch the Olympics. They could use the views." I was like, <laughs> "Oh man!" Well, yeah, <laughs> since, since, no, since no fans are allowed, mm. and then and then all and then US is doing really bad now. So <laughs> that the basketball team lost to Australia. So mm. you can't do any worse than that. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know the Olympics were happening right now. I had no idea. <laughs> I, th- I I think it hasn't started yet. I think it's just okay. like the, they do that little <laughs> tournament beforehand. But yeah. you know you're ba- but you know you're bad when you're losing to Australia and you're getting beat by Ben Simmons. Oh. So that's all I'm going to say about that. 
because <laughs> that's bad. But uh, yeah, let's wrap things up right here. Uh, right now, we're gonna get ready. Uh, you can on Thursday, I'll, me and Jim will be releasing, of course, the the preview for UFC on ESPN, uh, featuring Islam Makovec going against Tiago Moises, and then the return of Misha Tate, so we can actually see what she's up to. And then get ready after that because, of course, next weekend will be UFC on ESPN, I think, plus with Dora Shaw going up against San Hagen. So we got a couple of uh, good uh, fight nights, per se, to look forward to. And then even after that, Oriah Hall and Sean Strickland. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Uh, that's going to be a nice one to see if Oriah Hall can take that next step mm-hmm. or if Sean Strickland will take the next step over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be a nice uh, matchup, and I think that's the that's middleweight, I believe. Yeah, middleweight. That's middleweight because it's mm-hmm. I think eight against nine. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll be good to find out. But of course, before we get uh, going, I got the sponsors to, to get out of the way right now. We got nine nine jersey. Uh, use promo code SportsBoxShow twenty at checkout to receive twenty uh, percent <coughs> off your next purchase. Uh, whatever kind of jersey you like, hmm. check it out on there. They even have the Mighty Ducks and Toon Squad uh, jerseys uh, to choose from. So just whatever you like, go to nine nine jersey dot com. Put promo code SportsBoxShow twenty at checkout and then enjoy as you get twenty percent off. Then you got Odds Jam. All you got to do is go to the link in our bio, sign up, and watch as you never miss a bet again. When you sign up uh, and you want to make a bet, they usually give you five odds to choose from on the site. You can choose the best one that fits your capability for that that (coughs) bet. So just go on, sign up, and watch as you you never lose a bet again at (laughs) OzJam. And then lastly, we got High Tide Herbal. Use promo code CAGEMIQ10 at checkout to receive 10% off your next purchase. This is a company owned by uh, coaches and trainers who specialize in uh, quick recovery. All their products have a CBD oil in it to help with the recovery process. So if you're an athlete looking to uh, recover faster, just go to High Tide Herbal and and use some of their products. And once again, use promo code CAGEMIQ10 at checkout. Uh, to receive 10% off your next purchase. And then, of course, lastly, once again, you got our merch that we came out with. Go to firesfirst.shop, scroll down to Cage My IQ collection, and choose from one of our uh, four uh, shirts to choose from. We got three different styles of the same shirt, uh, vintage. We got old school and then, I believe, regular and then we got mm. the hoodie. So uh, if you want to get a hoodie for the uh, get ready for the fall, go get that. And then if you want to just get the regular shirt, just choose from the th- three different styles. And then I'm sure in the future we're going to come out with the with a white shirt to go with the the black one right now. And then if you have any uh, ideas of what other colors to to bring out, let us know. Just comment on the video on our videos and subscribe to the to the page. We have on YouTube at Fighters First. So as always, I'm Dan. This is Miles, and then this is the man they call Dave from uh, the the Working Fans pod- podcast. You can find them on every Saturday, I believe, at one o'clock. Yep, uh, one o'clock on uh, the Buzz uh, Facebook page, YouTube, and uh, Twitter. But that that's a wrap for tonight, and then we will talk to you guys later.
Later, guys. Thank you, guys. Later. Yep. Thank you for watching this episode of Cage My IQ on the Sports Box. Please remember to follow us on all of our social media outlets on Facebook at Sportsbox Show, Twitter at Sportsbox Show, Instagram at The Sportsbox Show. Find us on YouTube and join Outside the Box, our Facebook sports discussion group. The Sports Box is brought to you by our sponsor, Showcase Sports in Hamilton. Showcase Sports for the elite athlete. And also our friends over at Crowdplay. Download the free Crowdplay app today and use promo code THEBOX at sign up for 10 free points. Thank you for joining us.